my favorite episode of the slap my it's a two-part episode and did you watch the slap well yeah i'm telling you right now episodes is the slap i don't know 12 ew but my favorite my favorite two-part episode has two slaps in it there's a number of slaps and the first slap involves a a tyrannical oil man and sort of a slimy weasley little preacher boy and he slaps him in the mud and then makes him eat mud and then part two, the Weasley little preacher boy slaps the tyrannical oil man in his little church. Wait a minute. The slap. Daniel, uh. wait, you're not talking about NBC's The Slap. <laughs> uh, oh, NBC. I'm so sorry. I meant PTA's The Slap. <laughs> I just get my studio networks confused. <laughs> they're, all, they're all based in the valleys, you know. <laughs> I love a bit. <laughs> I'm not sure that I do. <laughs> uh, Didn't he discover oil at Dodger Stadium? No. IRL? Paul Thomas Anderson or Daniel Blake? <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson, location scouting for There Will Be Blood, Doheny. struck oil. Oh, Doheny, the real life analog. Doheny struck oil at where is now Dodger Stadium. It's now home plate, I believe. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a fun fact. Is. Uh... <laughs> That I must be why the Dodgers are so good at sliding into home base Wait, last year. So almost nearly. One thing that I didn't realize was Upton Sinclair's oil exclamation point is not a pamphlet. It's a full. It's a little bit longer than Thomas Paine's like, Common Sense. But it's like a novella. It's a novella. I, but I googled it. It's like a five hundred page novel. I don't oh, know. I heard I it was a novella. So. I thought it was a pamphlet. I think it's a novella. Who it's definitely not a pamphlet. But it certainly packs a punch. It does have an exclamation point in the title. Mm-hmm. Oil! Mother wishes. Okay, <laughs> well. Um, mother does wish. <laughs> um, oh, I, r- remind me mother. I have a mother comment great. to make later. Mother! Mother! Okay, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a note. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Movies IMO. This is our 21st episode. Nice. Old uh, enough to drink Anchor Steam. Nice. Nice plug. Um, take a swig. Mm. Delicious. I taste a good take. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. We are your favorite film fags. I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben MP. I'm Daniel Crook. And today we're stepping into the time machine. Taking it. <laughs> I was going to like do a, a bit? sound effect, but I can't think of like You're one. good at sound effects, though. <laughs> I do. That, that's your one sound effect. That's the sound you make stepping into the time machine. Drain it! Yeah, we're not drinking the time machine. We're like stepping into the well. We're stepping into the well. a bastard from a basket. Bastard from a basket! Eli, you boy! Okay, so we're stepping into the time machine. To 1902. <laughs> I drink <laughs> your decade. <laughs> drink it up. Did Gary Oldman enter the studio? No, Daniel Day-Lewis in his baptism scene entered the studio. Oh, oh my Shaking God. Shaking off the water like a wet dog. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Oldman wishes. Okay. We are stepping back into the time machine. Like atonement. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Atonement. I reverse, love reverse. <laughs> reverse. I love T-N-U-C. Dunkirk's experimentation with time. Also, the film Atonement is the movie I actually like. 
<laughs> which tells a story in reverse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Correct. Brandon, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> well, what I'm trying to tell our listeners is that we're stepping into the time machine to meet Daniel Plainview, and then we're meeting what's his fuck on the beaches of Dunkirk. <laughs> Dunkirk. Robbie. Robbie Trent. Robbie. Robbie. Robbie Tennis? Nah. We're stepping into the time machine to meet Twink. Michael uh, Sarah. Honest no. to blog. <laughs> no. <gasps> <laughs> no. Twink. James McAvoy. Before Future he best became actor, Best Supporting Actress winner. Actually, by the time this is out, current reigning Best Supporting Actress, Alison Janney. Oh, yeah. Well, keep in mind, the parents in Juno are both Oscar winners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember... The same, they're like the same... They have the same career in Don't you remember, too. like, watching Juno in 2007 and thinking, like, J.K. Simmons and Alison Janney just never get their due? Mm-hmm. They're they're so reliable, those two. When are we ever going to appreciate them as a culture? Look at us and now. And now I'm like, enough already! <laughs> All right. We're stepping into the <laughs> fucking time machine. We're going back to 2007, the 80th Academy Awards. Got it. We are talking about five... Omaha business realness, Karen Crowder. <laughs> She's quite substantial. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? The way <laughs> she combs her hair in the morning. Which one? Her shoulder pads. Oh, Karen. Karen. From Michael Clayton. Mm. There, there, there's your balance. There's your balance. There's your balance. <laughs> I, that's probably my favorite line in the movie. That, my, mine is, it's quite substantial. <laughs> let, let me, okay, before we dive in, let me run okay, down. Okay, we haven't. The five. Yet. We haven't jumped in with the fifth best picture nominee. Call it. So. Call it. What? Call it. No Country for Old Men. Call it. Oh. Call it. I thought you were, That's not why I can't understand you. The coin's been coming the whole time. That's not <laughs> It's a special coin. It's like... Okay, let You've me... been moving to this moment your whole life. <laughs> the five nominees. Lou Helen. What? We she... haven't even said the we whole... We haven't said what we're doing here. Thing. Our lives have been leading up to this moment. <laughs> the coffee is fresh. I made it a week ago. <laughs> Let's... What are we doing here? We're talking about the films nominated... In the 80th Academy Awards, one of the greatest Oscar batch of films in recent memory. Oh, yeah. We were talking about that movie about teen uh, teenage pregnancy, Juno. We're talking about sad-eyed fixer Michael Clayton. We're talking mm. about soul-dead oil man Daniel Plainview. Daniel Plainview. And one of the most blood. relatable characters in the history of film. He truly is one <laughs> doodle that can't be undead. <laughs> and... Uh, Dunkirk prequel, better movie than Dunkirk Atonement. It does all of Dunkirk in a single shot, and literally. Then, and then has two other better movies inside <laughs> of it as well. Starring vehicle for Vanessa Redgrave, that's uh, right. Atonement, and last but not least, Joel the winner. and Ethan Cohen's No Country for Old Men. Which Frances McDormand should have starred in, in the Javier Bardem role. <laughs> that should have been her second Oscar. God, we, we would have been saved from the current uh, Oscar not that state. I, not that I don't want Javier to have an Oscar. No. But she would kill it. She'd crush Absolutely. that Absolutely. She already With has the hair. The hair. Yes. The she hair. Just, would just need to straighten it a little bit, yeah. put in a little product. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> Brandon is primping. I, I'm modeling the hair. Um, it's almost the same hair that Bryony has her entire yeah, life. A haircut for your entire life? There's your balance. When Vanessa Redgrave shows up with the same hair, the same clip. I screamed. She's the a, same clip. 
It's like how certain like high certain women. Yeah, certain women. High up, like, creative people think, like, I'm going to eat the same thing for lunch every day so I don't have to think about it. She's just like, this is my hair. This is me. Because <laughs> I have 21 books to write. This is me. us. And us is me at 13, 18, and 75. Mm-hmm. This is us. Kesha's, this is me. <laughs> Thank you. I can't believe that she's not singing it at the Oscars. Well, they have to give it to Kalila Seattle or Seattle or whatever. Is that the actress in the film? Yeah. It makes sense, but... You'd think for the ratings, they yeah. would have asked Kesha for the star power. I think yeah. the Oscars have just given up the ratings. I think they <laughs> pretend like they're still trying, but it's done at this point. And speaking of ratings, the 80th Academy Awards. <laughs> How did this one do? Terribly. It was one of the lowest rated. Because the movies are so fucking bleak. They're so upsetting. It was one of the most bleak Academy Awards. I believe Jon Stewart hosted. Yeah. Yes. And I remember right. one he of the He pulls Marquetta Urgova yes. back on stage. One of the cracks. Yes. When she doesn't get to speak for a best original song. One of the cracks he made was how all the movies are really bleak, and then there's Juno. <laughs> well, I would imagine Juno was the highest grossing of them. Yes. Uh, is that right? I I believe so. What else would it be? Probably that. I don't know. I mean, no country could have like made a lot because it won Best Picture, but I don't know. But it was definitely like collectively and... one of the lowest grossing batch of Oscar yeah. nominees at the time. To- best Picture nominees so at the let's... time. So let's... I don't know how we're doing this. I don't know if we're going to talk about them individually, but I, let's talk about how bleak the lineup is. Let's think about where we were as a country uh, in 2007. I mean, the Democrats have taken back the House, but we've been dealing with George W. Bush, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, like the stock market is about to crash. Mm-hmm. Like the night is always darkest before the dawn or, you know, whatever, uh, the sun perhaps. And then Obama gets elected like the same year as these Oscars. But like this is, mm-hmm. and then some dog millionaire wins the next year when we're finally like sort of happy again. So yeah. this is like the bleakest we got as a country. Yes. The, the cumulative we were in the middle of the writer's strike. That's right. And, and, and also, and they didn't have the Golden Globes. Of, it was just people naming yes, and winners. You, yes, and that's why yeah. we never saw Johnny Depp win for Sweeney Todd, which I hate to even bring him up, but I remember at the time having quite a bit invested in that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then Jon Stewart, who is like sort of our Walter Cronkite at that moment, is the one who's putting on the award. So I don't know. I think all these movies in some way are like dealing with even, even atonement in a different way is like dealing with like a national identity and like sort of the dark side of it and the consequences of nationalism or just the things that we say, like how great capitalism is and, you know, American ingenuity. And then we like watch a man like lose his soul as he pulls bile from the black heart of Mm -hmm. America's soil beautiful yeah like it, it yeah. i really would like so to reflecting the box office returns oh yeah because Please. i'm all about the money only one of them is less than 100 million dollars no and i would just like to point this out as a statement of where the industry is oh shit um <laughs> i thought that like the highest grossing would be like 90 yeah so that's the lowest michael clayton is at 92 because this is why we can't have nice things. and this is worldwide Oh, okay. Atonement is at 129 worldwide. Do you have the breakdown of U.S. versus international? Yeah. Is it mostly from international? For Atonement, it yeah. is. Yeah. For There Will Be Blood. Oh, There Will Be Blood is at 76. Oh. I, I misread that. Well, that's why we can't have nice things. Juno. $231 million. Holy sh- We forget, or I forgot, what a cultural moment Juno was. And $231 million dollars meanwhile today we're doing cartwheels because ladybird crossed 40 million yeah (laughs) and um 
What's the other one that's nominated? Three Billboards. I couldn't think of the name. Has crossed. I don't has, know that movie. Has got. Never has, heard of Has that. also crossed like forty or fifty, and everyone is like, "Hooray!" <laughs> yeah, that you. You're right. That really says. And a then state. No Country, one hundred and seventy-one. That's fantastic. Dollars. That's I, so high for something like that. And still, nobody turned. Like nobody tuned in. Like this many people were going to the movies. Mm-hmm. And then there were still enough people who cared about the movies to not watch, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe that it made they, all those movies made that much money. I'm not... I'm on, shocked. I'm not only blaming this, but I have a bit of a drive to get here every single week because I live on the other side of town, and I all once I like get off the 101 and I'm in Hollywood and I've got probably like two miles to Ben's house, I will always pass a number of billboards for new movies. Three billboards outside Hollywood, California. More than three, (laughs) unfortunately. Like two, three billboards, like six. And I swear to God, every week there is a different billboard for a new Netflix movie. Mm. And it Mm. makes me want to cry. It, I got so upset seeing the Jared Leto Yakuza poster when I was turning on to I Vine today. I don't even know what that is. It, it's the new Netflix movie. Sure. They're just churning them out. Why would anybody go to the movies anymore when there's was, a new release on your fucking Roku device? There was a really week? good article. Get off my lawn. In Get off my lawn. Forbes about. Get off my lawn. Uh, oh, Annihilation's right off opening weekend and how it's more indicative of just the state of film in general. As opposed to, like, it's a failure of the studio or it's a failure of the movie. Yeah. That it's really just no one is going to the movies unless it's pre-existing IP. Mm-hmm. And you can blame, you can, you can. I blame nostalgia. You can caterwaul all you want that, like, Ooh. studios aren't making original movies. Well, they made one. No one went to see it. Well, d- Fair. They also are not even trying abroad. Yeah. Not not that that puts the blame on them or the onus on them, but I mean, it's a losing proposition when you sell a movie like Annihilation, which I haven't seen yet, but a movie like that with a bunch of stars, like a, an intriguing sci-fi premise, a great trailer that promises danger and surprise and suspense, Did that it they not just ship well. it off to Netflix. It made like 11. Did it open at the top of the box? Or Black Panther, obviously, is still Fourth. Game Night came in second, right. Peter Rabbit was third, Annihilation was fourth. So Game Night is based on fucking... Board games are more popular than original sci-fi right now in this country. But let's go back in the time machine. There was once a time... back in the time machine. once a time when a movie like A No Country for Old Men that opens with a 20-minute tone poem... Has no dialogue. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot a lot. Two... Hard to take its measure. There will be blood and No Country both open with, like... 20 minutes of... Like, no dialogue. Nothing. And then There Will Be Blood actually has a lot of dialogue and No Country mm-hmm. for Old Men. Like, all the dialogue's like... It remains... Can't stop what's coming. <laughs> and then 10 minutes of <laughs> just visual poetry, great mm-hmm. visual storytelling. Like, nothing needs to be explained. And then it's like, Carl Jean, I'm going <laughs> for a trip. Like, it's great. And then I woke up. And then I woke Credits. Up. I love that line. Um, I okay. love that whole fucking movie. Well, Same. should we should we, we start with Brandon? Can we start with our rankings? Sure. Oh, sure. Because we, we didn't like we have... discuss any sort of structure. <laughs> no, we just we're gonna talk about these movies. We Ratatouille. Are... <laughs> we are talking <laughs> about oh, eventually Ratatouille. Okay, Ratatouille. Just a moment <laughs> for Ratatouille. Thank you so much, Ratatouille. It's picks... too bad. Hmm. Two years later, would have gotten nominated for Best Picture. Yes, that's right. It would have Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Pixar's best film to date. Well, it certainly was. It is better than Wally. It is not. Oh, that's better not even than my Wally. It is not. I think it is. 
Wally is the best Pixar movie. See, I'm I'm like Wally, Ratatouille, Toy Story three for very different reasons. Toy Story three has the most the most and best plot and genre hopping, tone hopping of any of the Pixar movies. Wally is just pure visual storytelling. Ratatouille has the most heart, even more than Wally. I think that Ratatouille has the most heart. Ratatouille, when I was watching it, I cried like four separate times, and one of the times was like after he like. Figures out how to like pull his hair to make him like control him, which this movie shouldn't work. No, at no, all. it does not. It doesn't Literally, make any sense physically. It yeah, makes does not yeah, work. No sense. And yet, I, this time I found myself after he figures out how to it's like so control you have him. To suspend your disbelief. I started crying. I was like, it's so beautiful how he just like. Oh. That's Pixar, though, right? Like they make a rat pulling a man's hair yeah. into a tear jerking moment. I also hair prefer the tears. Incredibles. Brad Bird's The Incredibles. And that's your best genre film, like pure genre. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Toy Story three, I think manages to trans or like hop between a bunch of them. But yeah, that's a double Brad Bird, Ratatouille, and Incredibles. After then, Inside Out. I think Inside Out is a flawless piece of work. I do too. I would put Inside Out at like third or fourth. I think my ranking would be Ratatouille, Wally. So this is what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> I'm going to Brandon finally got his hijack, Pixar episode. Hijack it into my the Pixar episode I've always wanted. Anyway, okay, so Ratatouille, um, I think is the best Pixar, and it was number two. The, the fun fact: number two on A.O. Scott's list, 2007, behind four months, three weeks, wow. two days. It was wow. four months, three weeks, two days. Ratatouille, so, there will be American blood. Film. I wonder why the critics <laughs> loved Ratatouille so much. <laughs> it's the only movie to ever interrogate the critic's soul in a positive way. Yep. Um, where was I going with this? You were ranking. Oh, right. Okay, so we we Give passed, us the cheese. We've... Should we do the our real rankings? Or do oh. you want to keep ranking Pixar? Oh, I'm not ranking Pixar anymore. Well, you were. You we... can you can finish if no, you'd like. Fine. Follow I along. If you, if, I mean, this is this Should is I read it off list. my letterboxed? No, I'm not going to do that. Um, okay, so we've tasked ourselves to rank the five best We've tasked movies. ourselves. It's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard. But I do think we will have some varied responses. It's interesting. We I mean, will. Did, so Maybe. before we say, did anyone actually have a hard time ranking these five? And, and just through their own lens? No. I, I didn't. I was toggling between two. But that's not so bad. Two positions. And I'm just saying... It's interesting that we submit that this is one of the strongest best picture years in recent memory, and yet we have a pretty clear idea of where they all fall, like where these chips fall for us. Each of these five is the best film by that filmmaker. Period. It's very, uh, it's debatable for the Collins. It's debatable for the Collins, but yes, everyone else. I agree. I think it is because of the visual moment of because yeah. it's yes. so. Are we talking about their script? Are we talking about hundred percent? Jason Reitman, Diablo Cody. Cody well, no, just no, 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 no. Just, just, just the directors. Right? Oh, I think Up in the Air is oh, better oh. than Juno. I don't. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. I do too. <laughs> and I think Young Adults better as well. I also think Young Adults, the better Diablo Cody, I think Jason Juno, Reitman team. I think up. Juno is his calling card, though. I think Juno holds up better than both of you two. Both of us too? You think Juno hands, holds up better than me and Brandon? Wow. Yes. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Let me shake my hamburger phone. Did I hear you right? <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> The precociousness of Juno really mm. got to me this time. Get women now on the horn. <laughs> on first the burger horn. Minutes of Juno, great a little bit, but then like it's like they, it there's something switches in Ellen Page's performance a little bit. It's like she got she into becomes it. a real person. Well, J- Jennifer Garner is really, I think, the one who's responsible for the tonal shift because you meet a real person, mm. then you realize, 
oh, Diablo, Diablo Cody is not just trying to create this fantastical, quirky, stylish yeah. world. This movie is all about posturing in a way. And Jennifer Garner just she is earnest and wants one clear goal, yeah. one honest emotional goal. She and she wants, wants to be a so mother. Bad. Oh my yes. god. She doesn't have time to like try and be all uh wordsmithy yeah. and, and say words like procure when you don't need to. And then from that moment on I think she sort of like throws a glass of cold ice water into the face of you, the viewer, and then you yeah. realize this is uh, Jennifer Garner's movie. Yeah. Is what it yeah. boils down to. The gays to. are definitely going to like take me to task for saying this movie's better than Young Adult, but I stand by it. I mean, I think objectively it is. We for got... most people, I just have a really soft spot for Young Adult. No, I adult. think a lot of people think Young Adult's a great movie. And it was, I mean, it's on my top 10 of 2011. But I think Juno's a better movie. Fair. Well, here's the thing. I'm fascinated to know specifically why you think that. We need to do these goddamn rankings. We're having a great time. I'm having the time of my life. Great. Really? I'm 45 minutes into this. I've never <laughs> I've never had more fun. Ben, let's start with you for your oh, rankings. Great. Yeah, I didn't have any any sort of trouble with this. It's number I'm gonna count it down. Mm-hmm. Five yep. Juno. Mm-hmm. Four Atonement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three New Country for Old Men. Two Michael Clayton, and one, There Will Be Blood. Nice. Almost identical. Number five, Juno. Number four, Atonement. And now these are all five-star films. Right. And Atonement's four and a half. Three, Michael Atonement's Clayton. Atonement's five for me. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. I don't remember what I gave it last night. Four and, four and a half. half. It's yeah. a four and a half-star film. I, I mean, it, or a five-star film. My point is it's a, it's, it's a perfect, great. basically a perfect it's film. It's a great film. Number three, Michael Clayton. Number two, No Country for Old Men. Number one, There'll Be Blood. And there's your balance. Um, there's your balance. So, uh, it's funny because I was toggling between my two and my three. Okay. okay. So, it would be That's me, Lani. That's where we all toggle. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Wherever you toggle, <laughs> toggle carefully. <laughs> so, I have landed with Ben. Oh. Five is Juno, yes. four is Atonement, three is No Country for Old Men, two is Michael Clayton, one was There Will Be Blood. But, I mean, Michael Clayton and No Country are just like this well, and they're, they are well, so close. When Don Jeffries asked me to come on board this podcast, I <laughs> never thought I would have to defend No Country for Old Men over when Michael Clayton. Tilda Swinton won, I'll never forget, I lost my damn mind. <laughs> it's so exciting. It's so exciting. One of the all-time great character introductions in just a single shot. Mm-hmm. We yeah. are in a close like I want to know what the lens is because it's just a scrunch shot. She is sitting on the toilet atop the toilet <laughs> in a bathroom stall with her elbow against the side with her pits and it's like it's not visually drab but it's not especially colorful. It's muted enough that her giant pit stain like just pops out mm-hmm. in the frame. And I love when she like touches it and then realizes she's wet and then she just like goes in and just cups it so do you guys ever like realize that the pits are just a little damp and then you have to go into a meeting or or you just have to see somebody uh do you ever take a little take a little tp and just give it a little give a little tap i do because and i think of tilda swinton i learned how to do that in (laughs) michael clayton yes thank you from academy award winner tilda swinton Swinton. in one of the 10 Greatest screenplays in the American cinema. It's quite substantial. <laughs> um, that scene of that giggle. That's just the cutest thing I've ever heard. Uh, that it, the Tilda, the 
the scene where she's rehearsing the speech and then, and then you, you see, see her doing this. It's answers. just it's nothing just... but respect for my best editing winner. That is oh my god. Perfect. Did it win editing? No. It wasn't nominated. It was not nominated. The Born Ultimatum won editing. Oh god. Because it is the most editing. It is the most. I think yes. What is it? A uh, two second shot length average or something? Yeah. Although ju- just to be fair, if we're going mm. to cite that specific uh, sequence in Michael Clayton and then we're going to shit on Born Ultimatum for shot t- uh, shot length, that's that Michael Clayton se- uh, sequence has a surprising amount of cuts. Yeah, the coverage is insane on Tilda and Don Jeffries, also known as Ken Howard, former president of SAG. Um, oh, in in, in the that's interview, how I recommend there, him. there's profile. There's straight out. He plays uh, Shinehard in, in Thirty Rock. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. it, it's it's. I'm just amazed. Shinehard wigs. Shinehard wig company, baby. Um, um, so I'm a janitor. <laughs> It's not so, glamorous. Do I look like I'm negotiating? Look, I am not. It's and another five. The most <laughs> profoundly sad line in the movie is, I'm not the guy you kill, I'm the guy you pay off. Yeah. He says it with such anger, but his eyes are dead. So let's talk about my, let's just, I'm putting on the record, now we're talking about Michael Clayton. Yeah, let's So that moment is so fascinating to me, the end of the movie, because you get the idea that Michael Clayton has sold out his soul in this mm-hmm. moment, and he even like sort of lies to Tilda, and it's like, I sold out Arthur for $80,000 in a three-year contract, which is, like, not necessarily true. It is in a way, and it isn't. Right. But we're led to believe in that moment, because we don't really have the information, that Michael actually has come to sell the evidence to Tilda, walk off with $10 million, and then leave the business, leave New York. And then we find out he's just recording recording her on his flip phone, hands the evidence to his cop friend who he's fucked over with the warrant to get into Arthur's apartment, and then leaves. So he actually didn't sell himself out. But then he goes down uh, the escalator and sits in the back of the taxi. And then the camera's just on him. Like, we just drive. And then you realize, oh, no, whether or not this man sold himself out in that moment, he's been selling himself out his entire career. Yeah. So whether or not it was true in that moment, it's true of his entire life. And that's even sadder. And that he has done a very noble thing right now, but he gets nothing out of it. Including, like, his soul. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, he gets nothing out of it. It's yeah. like the ending he, of Zero Dark Thirty. I would say this: he he gets he gets solid ground. Yep. He gets even keel. He's paid his debts. The case is closed. You know, he's not working on anything in that moment. He has finally achieved rest. Mm-hmm. But for most people, like that's your starting point. He has been fighting this entire movie just to get to rest. To get you to know? sit in a taxi and just drive. Yeah, there's your balance. Give me fifty dollars worth. Balance. Fifty dollars worth. I love that. Like that means that he's getting changed back. <laughs> like he just got an eighty thousand. Oh, well. Can I change? Actually, um, so when he pays off his debts, he so he gets eighty thousand dollars from Daddy Sidney Pollock, and then gives the loan shark seventy five grand, mm-hmm. and then he goes to the table. So does he take the extra five? And, and the loan shark is like, we're square. Right. Does he take the extra five to the table? Yes. How sad is that? I know. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. When Tom Wilkinson is like, this is the best bread I've ever eaten. <laughs> Why does he have so many loaves? He's got he's an arm crazy. full of faggots. He's a crazy person. Oh my the, god. Okay, so this we is... need to screenshot it. An arm full of faggots. <laughs> well, my log was, I think I'll buy I'm the bread myself. I'm right now. I'm sweating. Let me get you some toilet paper. <laughs> I need to use the restroom. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, watching these... I'm going to broaden this outside of Michael Clayton just because um, I'm just thinking about it. But uh, 
it took me back to 2000, my 2007 self. Oh, I was a oh. junior. We're going there? Yeah, we're going there. Okay. Let's just go there. Why not? Okay, sure. Uh, we, we can loop it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of, I, th- I thought of it because of the I ending. I was a sophomore in college. So... Oh my God. Uh, I, it was my junior year in high school. Wait, what? How were you a sophomore in college in 2007? I graduated high school in 2006. So the, it would be... The ben, middle of Ben padded high school. The year I thought Marty we were in the same age. Win. No, I'm older than you. And I, because of when my birthday is, I graduated high school at 17. Yeah. Oh. My birthday is so late. Here, so what? Were, so you were you were a sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. I was a junior in high school. What were you, Daniel? I was a junior in high school. We're not the same age. What? The you must fuck have been a senior. Happening? You must have been a senior. Oh, I you must a, be misremembering. I was a senior. Here, here's how That's, young I was because I graduated out. in 08. Here's how young I was when yeah. I when this came out. I that was I had just moved to England from Ohio, and there's a different rating system for movies in England. So rather than there's rated R, there's a 15 rating and an 18 rating. So I actually wouldn't have been able to see most of these movies without like America. sneaking into a theater if I still lived in America. So thank fuck I was on foreign soil. Yeah, I was able to see you everything. Would've, you would have had to pull a me in uh, 2000 whatever year Sideways came out. Oh hell yeah! Four. I, I bought s- a ticket. For Coach Carter. Yes! And I snuck into Alexander Payne's sideways. Nice. <laughs> Swoosh, nothing but net. <laughs> I, sn- um, I snuck in to see Hollywood Land. Remember that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Why is that R? Because, uh. uh, like, Ben Affleck gets shot in the head, I think. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, Call it. <laughs> no, so I think of... Um, I just wanted to bring this up because uh, at the end when the song, $50... Mm-hmm. worth plays yeah. like i would listen to that just from the michael clayton score just like sad. and i would just sit there and be sad <laughs> well speaking of music that we'd listen to from best picture nominees that would make us sad in a way i would let me just get this on the record moldy peaches is not music i mean that's some of the worst fucking soundtrack what? i've heard in my life from juno i i can't i can't oh. with kimya dawson i can't so, do it but I, when, but when i was 16 do, years old do, 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 i used to listen do, 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 i would listen to that song. how many times my does ears, it play but i listened to that song so much in high school because i had moved i i had friends but i felt displaced from like my home of like 16 years and i would just listen to that song from juno and think about the girl i thought i was in love with who was in America and uh, and felt very sad so funny that you took the more sophisticated smart route and I was like do 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 <laughs> I want I want to ask this. I listened to There Will Be Blood score a lot I that's dark loved <laughs> I, I did too though but it's just like because my rotation it's just dissonant percussive noises I would listen I would listen to the one where it just goes the opening track I used it in a student film Hell I did yeah. in high school. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. I used to balance Sebastian song like Juno. I want to ask this about this about Juno. Was okay. Juno the first movie that used the like indie quirky like sketch sketch look? Oh. You know, like Away oh. We Go did it, it in two thousand nine. A hundred percent. I mean, it, obviously, I think it's it before invented Wingo. that. Not invented, but like it made that look popular and i feel like yeah, indie I movies agree. after juno everybody was trying to be that. juno everybody was trying to be little miss sunshine the year before and then juno comes out and that's sort of the apotheosis of it right everyone wanted to be juno mm-hmm. the moldy peaches song the kimmy dawson songs didn't annoy me back then no I thought it was not, quirky not and fun, but they annoyed me now 
I, I was very annoyed. I don't know if I've just gotten cynical in my old age, but I see like Juno and Polly Bleeker and I'm like, your lives are going to get so much better when you break up. <laughs> like, I can't believe this movie. That's, that's what I didn't like about watching Juno this time. The critique, my biggest critique of it this time, because um, when I saw it originally, it was a four out of four perfect movie. Oh. Roger Ebert had it Favorite number movie one yeah. on his list above fucking like every other there movie will be that blood. year. And I was like, oh, well, I trust Roger Ebert, so yeah, I love this movie too. Um, but watching it now, I was like, uh, my biggest critique is I don't believe that Juno actually loves Polly Bleak. Yeah, it's my same problem with The Shape of Water in, as in Juno. Like, I actually would have liked to character. have seen the love story there. Michael Sarah is great. Um, they're he both great. great. Uh, this is about Juno. Yeah. It's not about romance. But I will say, you, you see in Michael Sarah's performance without him actually saying it out loud that he has been putting up with this girl who just moves right past him. Mm -hmm. And so when he thinks that he finally lands her, like when they have sex, that's why he's surprised to find out that it wasn't his idea that it happened. He thought that he finally was able to connect with this girl who never paused to consider how he felt. Yeah. And you get that in Michael Sarah's performance. I think it's really strong. But you don't... You see more like the aftermath of, of whatever connection they had than... Like when he's like, let's get the, we could get the band back together. Like there's heart in that. There's weight in I that. I just but... think Ellen Page is so outstanding that like I go with everything that happens. Mm-hmm. See, th- I was saying this. Um, I was saying this last night because uh, I was really struggling whether to give this three and a half or four stars on Letterbox. It gets a heart no matter what. I went with three and a half. I'll probably change it to four. But the reason I want to push it up to four is like I found myself not buying a couple pieces of dialogue here. I found myself really my patience was really tested by some of these characters and yet i was with the story every step of the way i I emotionally invested Mm -hmm. and it just this movie really moves well i i also think that having just seen ladybird and i do think it's reductive to compare the two but i also think that you see a movie that portrays time like ladybird does as like a memory poem and then Mm -hmm. compare it to juno where it literally scribbles like the season on the frame Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have that same sense of Recollection, yeah, um, it's, it's it's not distilled in the same way right. that, that 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 it just feels a little. Uh, it, it it certainly moves, but it doesn't go beyond that to me. Yeah, yeah, it felt for me rewatching it. I stand firm in my three and a half. Um, it just felt of of its time, and it felt like a little dated to me. I yeah. don't know. It felt just. It yeah. didn't feel. It, it just didn't, it just the didn't graduate, age well, honestly, okay. more than any other movie in like the way that it's dated. But like, I still like there are sections of the graduate that don't work for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a four and a half movie, and I think that Juno is the same, and it's just like such a product of its time. It is, but like the lead performance and in the graduate and Bancroft performance as well are just so strong that I'm emotionally invested entirely. I feel yeah. like The Graduate speaks truer to its time. And, mm. you know, like, to quote Creep Jason... That's fair. To, to, like, quote Creep Jason Bateman, like, you weren't even alive in the 70s. Like, you weren't even there for that. Like, how do I know? Mm-hmm. But I think about 2007 Juno, or, or, like, the time, the world that Juno takes place in, and I look at it now, that's not really how I remember the time. You were in England. No, but I I had just moved. I, okay. I mean, I, I I was Juno's age when she when Juno got pregnant. I moved to a different country. It's okay. completely different. But like, I had spent the previous sixteen years of my life in a Midwest suburban town, 
um, with the same sorts of values. It's like Polly Bleeker's mom who like doesn't like Juno because she's sort of like offbeat. Like mm-hmm. I knew plenty of moms like that. Like I, I, I'm totally steeped in that culture. Yeah. But there's something about it. Just feels so broad to me. Like it, it, it doesn't feel as. Um, as nuanced as it did to me at the time. Yeah, me too. I got that. It felt more broad brushstroke than I remember it being. And, it also and like, just... even the conversation with her and Richard Jenkins. Um... J.K. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As I said it, I was like, that's that's not right. That's the shape of water. <laughs> Future Academy Award winner Richard Jenkins. Not this year. No. One year. Okay. Uh, stepping back into the time machine. Mm-hmm. A, a minute. Uh... TNUC. Her conversation with her father, played by J.K. Simmons. J.K. Mm-hmm. Simmons. Um, it just didn't ring. It didn't ring as emotionally potent, potent, <laughs> potency as it did uh, as I remembered it. I don't know. It's just. But what about? Allison Janney at the ultrasound. The best. That is the best scene in the movie. I agree. And here's really? the really yes. I didn't like big this. yes, oh big yes, big yes, big yes. And it is so frustrating that Allison Janney is going to win an Oscar for this mother. Mm-hmm. And you look at she had less to work with in Juno than she does in Itania and, and creates a more better. fully fleshed character. I want to talk about the ultrasound scene, but first I didn't pick up on this detail on this rewatch. But when Juno is telling her parents that she's pregnant mm-hmm. and. And she's like, and the baby even has nails. And we know that Allison Janney is a nail. Is a nail technician. And, and she goes, nails, really? <laughs> <laughs> she's going to do the baby's nails in, uh, in, in the uterus. Um, but yes, the, the ultrasound scene is... is. Oh, Can I say something contradictory song, about yes. the ultrasound scene? Go yeah. for it. I thought she was unnecessarily rude to the ultrasound technician. She was judgy. Yeah. Oh, was the ultrasound she's technician so judgy? judgy? Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. You, she's like, well, thank God for that. Oh. She's like, thank God you're giving the baby out. And, oh, that's and, right. And it's also funny. a really important moment between Juno and. Oh, um, go fly a kite. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important moment between um, stepmother and stepdaughter because it's the first time she really stands up to bat to fight. You're, for Juno. you're right. You're right. I, I, I need to rethink that. Scene. Maybe they'll do a far shittier job of raising a kid than my dumbass stepdaughter would. Yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> I love it. There's a moment at the end she of that scene. It. There's a yeah. moment at the end of that scene that when I first saw the movie, I thought was like the funniest line. But she's just like, geez, Brenda, use a dick. Use a dick. But and but it's it's Y O U apostrophe S a dick, not use a dick. Like I always I always interpreted it as, as like, geez, Brenda, like if you're gonna fuck her, use a dick is how I always that's read it. That's funny. And then I read the script, and that's not no, what it is. You is a dick. Use yeah, a dick, which isn't as good to me, but it's fine. That's funny. Um, it's fine. No, I mean, uh. Allison Janney, that's the mom she should be winning for. That's what I'm saying. So we can just view the I, Tanya win as making up for when she played a better, more real mother. Is that sure. gin in a... Did you measure your alcohol in a liquid measuring cup? No, I already mixed it. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, how much How much meal prep are you doing, Ben? Do you have a, a pre-mixed cocktail you're pouring out of a beaker? Yes. A bleaker? Because I knew if I wanted to put ice in the glass, I would not be able to put in enough mixer. It's true. It's true. Guys, you're making me want to rewatch Juno. Good job. Well, I mean, I mean, we gave it the same rating on Letterboxd. It. I will also say that even though Jason Reitman directed it, I think it's true in this movie, I think it's true in Young Adult, that he defers to what Diablo Cody has put on the page. He gets rid of I his agree. male gaze at times in order to service the material. I think he respects her that much and, want, and wants to honor her script that much. 
And to me, the scene when Juno is talking about the swinging dicks and then we see the dicks through the gym shorts as they're running, like that yeah. is exciting to me. That's something you really don't see. Um, yeah. And uh, you didn't see it then. I don't like the voiceover, though, for the most I'm part. It, it doesn't break the rule it of voiceover. It started with a chair. It ended with a chair. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh I, I want to I quote... Um, I really like A.O. Scott's 2007 list, so I'm just going to keep referring Great, to it. bring it. Um, at number 10, so what he did this year was he, he clumped a lot of movies within single numbers because he the title of it is Stop it at 10 just seems wrong. Nice. So at number 10, he, he tries to find a theme for the numbers, so he put... Knocked up super bad and Juno all in one clump. There's there's some ties there. And yeah. he said he called the feminism of Juno the sharp, complicated feminism mm-hmm. stands unapologetic as both a compliment to and an implicit critique of boy centered pictures such as Super Bad and Knocked mm-hmm. Up, mm-hmm. which I thought was great, mm-hmm. pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good. Anyway, um, enough of that. What do we think about... I, I'm just going to make us uh, talk about this. Because I'm sure people were talking about it at the time, and I don't remember. What do we think about the film Stance on Choice? The what? Huh? <sighs> on, on being pro-choice. I, I mean, she she goes into the... Essentially like a Planned Parenthood. Also, great line. Well, I had trouble like, with like, that I think I'm going to go with women too. now, because, you know, they help women now. <laughs> it's great. I have trouble with that scene, too. Because the receptionist is like this, like, tattooed freak Ditsy. who's like, my boyfriend wears these boysenberry condoms, makes his junk taste like pie. And then, like, it, it, she's like, it smells like soup. Like, it, mm-hmm. it seems very, um, I mean, I don't think that it's... Complicated feminism. It's, no, exactly. <laughs> that, that's what made me think of it. Because I don't, the movie's not pro-life. Like, the no. movie's pro-choice. You watch her make a choice. Right. Correct. But, uh... Um, I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't thrilled. It's her choice. It's not my choice. You know. I I wasn't thrilled with that whole sequence, but I I, is, I get it. I get is, it. I think it was a, great a seeing you, Sujan. It's a bit broad that section, and I think that's the problem. Yeah, it's like the whole like first act is a little too broad. Yeah, and then it. And then it, it gets, becomes more human. I just remember thinking it was so fucking cool when the movie turns into sketches in the in the credit sequence. And well, how that yeah, just set the tone for the first act. 2007 you and 2007 all of us is definitely going to think that. Extremely different people. But I, like, I just remember thinking like love is sitting on the steps with your boyfriend playing guitar and singing Kim Ya Dawson. When that's actually like... Why is the music non-diegetic? And then all of a sudden, it is. <laughs> That's not your balance. <laughs> I was I'm offended. Pull up my list because I still have my 2007 list. Oh, you, know I, to know. you know what I found out about that about myself is that <laughs> what am I saying? Mm. I didn't start listing until 2008 because I was looking for I my 2007 list. I started listing in 2008 list, too, and my 2007 list does not exist. So Ben, please do indulge Actually, us with I yours. Juno did not make ten. Juno makes thirteenth. Here's an interesting thing. I see Knocked Up on your list. Mm-hmm. Knocked Up's great. I, does that movie hold up? I haven't watched it. Last time I watched it, it did. When was that? I don't know, a few years ago. Okay. Uh, Do I you spe- guys want my top ten? Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> there Will Be Blood. That's the assassination. 10? No, sorry, I'm starting at okay. one. The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. No Country. Michael Clayton. But now S- Michael Clayton is above. Yes. And... Sweeney Todd's five? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. And I put The Assassination of Jesse James fourth. So, like, yeah. 
Um, a six atonement. Seven, I'm not there. I'm not there would be higher today. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Eight, the lives of others. Yes! Nine, Zodiac. Yes. Ten, the born ultimatum. Ooh. Eleven, super bad. Twelve, knocked up. Thirteen, Juno. Oh, you got them all right in a row. Once. Once. Four, that was fourteen. Fifteen, Ratatouille. Sixteen, Ratatouille. before the devil knows you're dead. Seventeen, oh. no end in sight. What is that? That is a that is it's your documentary winner. Oh, no, I have no it's not your winner. No end in sight is about the Iraq War. I have no memory of seeing that. What a bummer. Interesting. That's it beat, it beat Sicko for best documentary, I think. 18 Eastern Promises. Nice. That would be higher okay, too. Okay, we're almost an hour in and I, I definitely want to talk about Eastern Promises. So I want to talk about the 20 new Hold on. Fighting. 19 Darjeeling Limited. Oh. Uh-oh. 20 <laughs> Gone Baby Gone. Fuck yeah. I love Gone Baby. So, a supporter of Ben Affleck's directorial career from an early time. That's I, the only one I like. <laughs> ben I, loves Inception. I, I was Ben Affleck's directorial. No, that's the Inception oh, of his directorial. Okay, I yeah. got it, I got it, I got it. Did Ben Affleck not direct Inception? <laughs> no. I couldn't find my 2007 list, but I know now that my top three would be There Will Be Blood. Ratatouille. <laughs> Ratatouille. And Michael Clayton would be number three. Thanks. Hell yeah. Those are, that, would be, that would be my top three. I don't have a list, but maybe this is the moment when we will segue out of Juno. Maybe we'll come back to Juno, but... No. No, there's more to say. <laughs> I mean, I want to talk about... I mean, we could talk about each of these movies for six hours. That's true, so that's like, true, that's true. But I, I don't have a top ten list, but what's unique about this Best Picture lineup is that all five would have been in my top ten at the time, and three of them would have been in the top five. Juno would have been one of those three, <laughs> and now Michael Clayton would be one of those three. Because, you know, Zodiac, I mean, that's one of the big snubs for me. And it's probably because it came out in the spring that yeah. year. But I saw Zodiac on 35 and last year. And David Fincher I mean, like, he was... Well, the, and, you know, it's... He had, like, fallen out of favor it's, it's by that, 2007. It's that classic rebound um, of someone's great film not being recognized by the Academy, and mm-hmm. then whatever they put forth next year is what gets it. So Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which <clears throat> is a really great movie. It's a very good movie. Uh oh! Gets the best picture nomination the Daniel, next year. Daniel Taxi to the Dark Side won best doc. Uh oh! Um, but no one in sight was nominated. It was. Yeah. I have to. Like, Sorry, I just this. was looking that up. I didn't no mean to cut you off. Okay, that's okay. All right, but I'm gonna take this opportunity to say, do we know what the winner for best documentary short was? I'll tell you. It was the short documentary Freeheld, later turned into oh. a major motion picture starring um, Ellen Page Ellen and Julianne Page. Moore as a oh. lesbian couple who are fighting for Julianne Moore's benefits when she is dying of cancer and That's is a cop. Right. Wow. Failed Oscar bait, people. Great wigs, no Oscars. <laughs> Great wigs. Um, Great feathered. I was Julianne such a good Page. Democrat, putting no end in sight on my list. That's like me putting well Citizen Four at number like, ten a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah. Hell yeah. I was an early adopter of Obama too. I read his book. Oh yeah. I was all. I'm in. just imagining Ben as Norma Ray holding up the sign and it just says no end in sight. That <laughs> <laughs> was fun. That <laughs> was a fun team. You were Kyle. It's not all about war, Ben. I was such a Kyle. Oh my god. And was bad. Who was your ladybird? Howard Zinn. I mean, I had I had a a worse Kyle that I was attracted to. <laughs> so you were a, a shade of Kyle attracted to like, a real Kyle. I was like Kyle and Ladybird combined, and I was into a full Kyle. Got it. Kyle Prime. Kyle. 
Prime. Is it he Tinder? got me reading Aldous Huxley. You were Lady Bird with a Kyle <laughs> Rising. Mm-hmm. Oh, you read Huxley? Yeah. It's a because, brave new world. Because of my, uh, my attraction. Because he, he would be reading in math class. <laughs> Behind his math book, he's reading Brave New World. <laughs> Who has their math book uh, propped up to Two hide? plus two equals tyranny. God, how embarrassing. I wonder if he listens to this. I'm going to have to delete this whole thing. No, Hello? you better not. Hello, Kyle. Remember when on our Lady Bird episode, Brandon spilled this right. whole I didn't even know saga. that it was yeah, like, excuse I didn't me. know it was a sexual crush back then. Put the Brave in but Brave like, New World back in, uh, in retrospect, yes. I can see. Oh, I was in love with him. Oh, I was a <laughs> oh, young that. I think about it all the time. Like, oh, I just thought I really liked him. No, that was romantic love. <laughs> it's like you think about in your head, like all your fantasies of like you guys hanging out and mm-hmm. you never were wearing shirts. <laughs> it was always like by a babbling brook. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about atonement. Let's speaking of, of doomed love affair. Love affair. Speaking of Lady Bird. Let's talk about young Saoirse Ronan's bright blue eyes. His blue eyes. Looking at the word cunt. Cunt. <laughs> you, what I, <laughs> typed out. C-U-N-T-P. <laughs> I screamed. Yes. I'll never forget my viewing experience of Atonement. I was in Birmingham, Michigan, and I was in a theater. How British. <laughs> Birmingham. 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 And when... Uh, the epilogue with Vanessa Redgrave happened, I remember literally sliding a bit further down in my seat because I was so floored by what was happening. Where did the TVs come from? (laughs) I was like, what? It went into the future? And I was like, we've already done it in the movie, but like... Can we stop? Can we stop? Can we stop? Boom, 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 (laughs) boom. Those are TVs turning on. (laughs) Uh, best score winner, put a typewriter in all my scores. What I love about the score so much is not even like the typewriter clacking, but how Marianelli uses the slide of like the end of a sentence, like pushing it back to punctuate emotional moments in the script. That whole first sequence where Saoirse sees what she thinks she sees, and then we see the Rochechard version of the fountain. The fountain. Yes. That when he sees her wet cunt for the first time, and we we all do from from uh, Bryony's vantage point. I. Love this movie. I do too. Yes. Bryony is, what did you say, Ben? Bryony's that bitch. <laughs> Bryony is that bitch. Bryony is that bitch. I the story him. is. I saw him. I saw him. I saw him with my very own eyes. At Lady Bird to Baby Bryony, don't be a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing this in so theaters. Well, I'll, here, here's a personal story. So. Atonement came out in the UK months before it came out in America, mm. and I was still reading like all the American Oscar blogs, and they were like, Atonement, best picture, Atonement, best actress, best supporting actress, all this shit. And I just checked my local listing. So I had, I had just gotten to England. I was like, again, I like knew some people, but I was, fr- I was a fish out of water. I had nothing to do on the weekends. Nobody's asked me to hang out. And so I look at my local film listings, and I see that, surprise, surprise, Atonement has already opened in this country. Wonderful. And so has Michael Clayton. So I did a double feature of Atonement and Michael Jesus. Clayton. Shut yeah. the fuck up. I, I, it was the first, I, and I remember it vividly because it was the first time I ever went, um, not to the movies by myself, but like did a double feature by myself. Nice. Proud of and you. And I remember watching Atonement and 
the repeat and seeing the repeated shot of Bryony closing like closing the window shut. Mm-hmm. Like obviously we see from her vantage point Celia jumping into the pool and like coming out and Robbie seeing her and then we see it from their perspective, but I wasn't expecting to see the window shut again. Yeah. And that repetition just blew my fucking mind. This is by the way uh, cinematography by Fifty Shades of Dark DP Seamus McGarvey. Hell yeah. Killing it. Well, Killing it. Not I... nominated for best director. He was. It Tom, wasn't Tom Wright? It is. Joe Wright? I mean, it Joe wasn't? Wright? He's the one that falls off. Oh, no. for, 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 for Schnabel. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, I forgot that Gilroy it's... was nominated. Mm-hmm. What a bummer. I mean, this movie. You Okay, so. What did Joe Wright. Has he been nominated for Best Director? No, he's no. Never this would have been, been but, but he's had a couple movies nominated for Best Picture now. Yeah, I think that he does what, this everything. And Hour, yeah, he it. does everything that he wants to do in Darkest Hour better here. He illustrates yes. the power of the written word better here. He honors a Greatest Generation he better here. Yeah, Dunkirk better here. And there's also there's a lot of great fades in all of these movies. Um, Juno has some fades to black, so table that. But the fade from Robbie walking through Flanders Field with mm-hmm. all the red flowers, and then those red flowers fade into the faces of the soldiers at yeah. Dunkirk watching the movie and singing. Mm-hmm. Sign me up! Like, it's where do gorgeous. where do I sign up for the military? It's like, gorgeous. I'm in. Yeah, he does everything that he wants to do in Darkest Hour better there, including the red flowers are better than the red light. Yeah, C U N T. If uh, I uh huh could find a flaw in Atonement, it's that. It's the second half is too long. Once we are no longer on the day, I'm very sorry for the second act. We could get. You don't like her in the hospital. It it arrives pretty late. I think we could get there much quicker. I do too. I think I forgot I think, how long it takes. I think a lot of the war stuff could come out and still have the same impact. I do too. And have the same sense of purpose of why it's there in the first place. I think that the first act is a perfect film. Everything yes. on the Talos estate, the perspective shifting, the geography of the house, the, the Benedict the Cumberbatch heat. being a creepazoid. Bite it. Have you guys read the book? <laughs> no. So my favorite thing about oh, the book. I have a story about the book. My favorite yes. thing about the book is the first day is like 20 like very short chapters. Mm. And then the rest of the book is one like... 70 page chapter. I remember that. Yeah. That's the best thing about the book. So the only reason I read the book was because in college, a boy I had a huge Ah, crush on read, was reading the book, Uh and he, I told him how much I loved the movie, blah, blah, blah. He lent me his copy. Get out. So I read it. Anyway. Atonement. You guys had questions on such smart boys. I had such terrible taste. It was just the (laughs) the dumbest looking boys I could get my eyes on. I want to talk about what I thought was Joe Wright's follow-up to Atonement, but the soloist is in there. Oh, the soloist! The soloist. <laughs> I don't want to talk about we the soloist. We had to read this before. So we had, uh, when I was entering college, every freshman was assigned the soloist to read before you arrived. So it would give everyone something to discuss at oh orientation. We did not discuss it. It was a waste of my fucking time. Were you going to bring up Hannah starring Vicky Creeps? Fuck. <laughs> yes. Hannah... Is a I f- love Hannah. Is a five out of five for me. And here's I, my imitation of the score. <laughs> I love Hannah. I think Hannah's great. Saoirse Ronan is incredible. I Kill also um, Kate Blanchett's character in that where Ruthless. she plays like this big bad wolf type mm. character, where she is like cleaning her teeth and like prepping herself reminds me of love to prep. Is um reminds me of 
Tilda Swinton's character and Michael Clayton, mm. the, a similar, like, red-headed... Mm. Yeah. When Don Jeffries assigned me to kill this little girl, I... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I love Hannah. Uh... But back to Atonement, um... Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, oh well, I there, was gonna bring there's my snub of the year. But yeah. Whose performance? James McAvoy is <sighs> outstanding. I don't think... How is he not nominated? I don't think when I was 19 I was able to, um, like, emote with an emotional man on the same wavelength, and now I can. And it's it's incredible what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he the was, scene if, of him typing the letters and, and just brainstorming and being ashamed of what he's writing and excited about what he's writing. No dialogue. We see some stuff typed on, yeah. but it's all on his face. It's so, he's amazing. And he does some so great sad. smoking. Yes. I he's, can't believe oh. he got snubbed. He's sad, but he has, in the first act, you get this sense that he has sort of been in a depression or just in a funk mm-hmm. and has just hit a stasis. Like, he went to college, he went to university, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what to do, he's back at home, he's working on the on the Talos estate, but things are turning around for him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's getting his shit together, he's gonna go to medical school or whatever it is, and you just get this sense that this guy has finally shaken himself out of the And he's gonna marry the, the woman of his dreams. Which he realizes that night. Yes. And when he returns to the house with those two bratty twins mm-hmm. with him one on his shoulders one on his arm he has this face like all's well that yeah, ends well like I, I did it I did it I did it I like when he does the double tap with the envelope not yes. once but uh, twice he taps the door and then he taps the tap, fence tap. and then he hands it off and he says Bryony Bryony he whispers it at first and then he's like and then we we go back to the room T-M-U-C and then we see it was the wrong letter I so I just I, what I love about the letter when he hands it to Bryony is how it is glowing. <laughs> like there is a light like mm-hmm. three feet out of frame that is just purely dedicated to blowing that letter up. It's like Alfred Hitchcock's suspicion. Yes, with the milk and they put tea lights in the milk so that the <laughs> glass of milk is glowing. Make it glow. Glowing. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. <sighs> I love... Okay, so I'm not done. But we're not done no, with Atonement, no, right? No, 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 no. Okay, so... I'm just sighing. I was just going... I was going to go to Vanessa Redgrave, but if we're not ready... No, no, no. Let's I'll, talk I, about the one shot. I'll bridge us... Well, I can bridge us into Vanessa Redgrave. Great. While we're talking about how strong the visuals are in this film. I'm not talking about the haircut. What I love is... Bryony commits the sin that she will spend the rest of her life... Ahem, atoning for mm-hmm. against that striking black backdrop a just square on close up mm-hmm. I saw him I saw him it was him and then when Vanessa Redgrave is doing the interview mm-hmm. and finally admitting what she's done it is that same striking black the background the background slowly fades to black yep yeah. yep it's that same push square in. on yep exactly it's just incredibly impactful smart visual storytelling yeah um, I love to finish she... where we start like, I think Atonement is a great movie, and then, like, without the Vanessa Redgrave scene, it's not the same movie. I agree. No. Anyway, and she no. does it single it It's not just, like, sh- like any other actor couldn't do it the way that she does it. No. In my opinion. She, that, it's only, like, ten minutes of movie. Yeah. She charts a full arc for that character. Yeah. And, like, yes, there are the... They show what actually happened. There are these shots, but it is... Which are great. It is the look on Vanessa Redgrave's face that sells it and the tone of her voice. Mm-hmm. It is a seven-minute... couldn't meet. Seven-minute, one-scene performance that deserved a nomination, mm-hmm. if not a win. You can't beat Tilda, but should have been nominated. Should have been nominated! Beat... Yeah. You can't... 
beat Kate Blanchett as Bob Dylan. When do you say what do you do? <laughs> but Vanessa Redgrave was balance. my third. Yeah, same. Oh my god, I Search forgot is probably Kate fourth. Blanchett was a double nominee. Marissa Tomei might be my fifth. For before the devil for knows you're dead, I, om- oh, I almost yeah. made Jennifer this Garner. No, no, no. The devil knows you're dead because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I... Don't you love the opening scene of that movie? Yes, vigorously fucking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Munich in reverse. <laughs> I only caught up with before the devil knows you're dead in college, mm. which that's another thing I was thinking about. I never thought about Juno in college. That seemed like a decade ago to me. That was like three years previous. Like, when I saw Before you, The Devil Knows You're Dead probably in, like, 2011, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm catching up with this old movie. Right. It's like, I I listed movies, like, it's Carol a, came out three ago. years ago. Yeah. I think about that every day. Time will continue to speed up as each day becomes less of a fraction of your entire life. If Vanessa Redgrave taught me, <laughs> that, will I love to age. This out. Yeah. And we will die. Oh, my God. I Can I say lot. something that I 100% am going to cut? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've told you guys. I lost my virginity to Juno. Well, you texted it to us in the group Because my mom listens to this podcast. She knows you're not a virgin. Yeah, but... (laughs) Vic, get over it. Um, Keep it in. The DVD had just come out. He did keep it in. (laughs) I have Juno on DVD, and I... That's so special. I know. (laughs) Life imitates art. His mom walked in. (gasps) While you two were fucking... While Juno was playing. Keep this in. Do what his mother interrupted and you could not. Keep this in. I beg you. I beg you. Come back. Juno. Come back to me. I only have one other good like personal anecdote and it's sad. Bring it. For Tell 2007. It. Tell it. Well, then we'd have to move on to Ratatouille. We're not. I, I'm so. not ready yet, so say We haven't it. even gotten to There Will Be Blood. I know. Or No Country. Or, oh. well, we kind of talked, we didn't talk Not enough about depth. Michael Clayton. Oh my yeah. God, you guys, we're an hour in. I haven't even started talking about these I know, and I was yet. hoping to see Game Night tonight, and that's not going to happen. No. Oh, I want to see Game Night. Yeah. Well, maybe if we just end it here. Yeah. We can all, all right, go see Game Night. everyone, we're going to see yeah. Game Night. <laughs> we're seeing Rachel McAdams give a virtuosic <laughs> comedy performance. Yes, mm-hmm. you can find me at Daniel Crook with three O's. Bye, everyone. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about... Were we done with the tournament? Yeah, we don't have to be. I feel done. How? <laughs> well, just moment of silence for James McAvoy drunkenly stumbling across the beach in Dunkirk and that spectacular one shot. I Tracking shots are something that should always be appreciated. But if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. I do think that like Juno, you have to grow out of tracking shots at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Tracking shots are not the peak of what cinema is able to achieve. They are yeah. certainly worth pointing out. But I... I just don't have time anymore for the idea that the best shot that any movie could possibly have is one that doesn't cut and that has a complex track. Right. The Dunkirk shot in Atonement is staggeringly masterful. And it serves the story. Absolutely. Yeah. It it serves a purpose. And and, and Ben, to your point, it captures everything that Dunkirk does in 90 minutes and five. Mm -hmm. You know, it works. It's a brilliant shot. So That's what, all I have to say. So, so what I was going to say is, is for me, for me, I mean, yes, that basically captures up the British history, the context that we have to have for the story that the movie is setting out to tell. What is better for me is once he goes into like the drinking hall and then descends, he's going deeper and deeper into this, almost like a fucking submarine, and he stumbles across the movie hall and then is standing behind the screen yeah. that is playing a classic romance. La La Land wishes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> truly, truly. 
but that is so much truer to what the the story um the story that we've emotionally hooked into at this point mm-hmm. and we also know if you've seen it before that he's going to die at the end of that night yeah and just he is so wretched and sad yeah. and just hanging his head while in the background two like titans of the british screen are mm-hmm. making out and you just know that like that was ripped from him ripped what's from him. happening behind the screen thanks could, a lot Bryony. god that fucking bitch isn't it crazy that we have sympathy for Vanessa Redgrave at the end of that movie? That's mm-hmm. the other thing. It's like, Bryony Tallis is the villain of the movie. Right. And yet, by the end, because of Vanessa Redgrave, we yeah. were like, oh. But not just... It's, it, it is. And now that we're talking about it, I realize like, it's also because the movie, the movie is kind of Bryony's story, it is. in a way. It is. Yeah, And it is. that we start with Saoirse Ronan. And the book she's really highlights She's this precocious playwright, and we're so happy that she's written this play, and we're so frustrated yeah. that the twins and Juno Temple... Bite it. Isn't doesn't want to play along. Saoirse Ronan is only in supporting because she's only in a third of the movie. Exactly. And Romola Garai is only not in supporting yeah. because she's not giving a very good performance. <laughs> Honestly, when I not saw my Lady Bird, <laughs> I forgot who played the the middle step. She's fine, Bryony. Who who is she's very serviceable. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Who was like? I love this scene where they drag her and blonde. Well, what I the thought I had was Saoirse Ronan. Exactly. If Juno Temple gets to play grown up uh, Juno, then I honestly I was like just age up Saoirse and she could have done it. It honestly, I I I think in all seriousness, yeah, in all seriousness, I don't think it would have been possible. It would have been real weird. It's so (laughs) hard to see Lady Bird and see the the woman that she's grown into becoming. It's like Mm -hmm. she would have killed that section of she the would movie. have been best actress i think nominee that, and winner no, i but. joe wright really has fallen out of favor with me because he didn't boyhood atonement with saoirse ronan he should have boyhooded this movie <laughs> he should have waited should have waited that would have been wonderful mm-hmm. yeah that you don't even have to wait wonderful. that wonderful five years <laughs> not that long no this movie would have come out in 2012 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Vanessa yeah. Redgrave still alive. Vanessa Redgrave could have still done it yeah <laughs> joe wright what were you thinking <laughs> All right. What? <laughs> Why am I squealing? Let's move on. Speaking of no country to... for old men, cattle frauds. Could you move those crates out of the truck? Cut to, to <laughs> washing the back of the truck out. <laughs> Call it. Uh, no country for old men. You married into it. <laughs> He's so emasculated. About I am. I, I will... guess you could say that if you want to. <laughs> Did you not under or what is it? The the Did reception? you not yeah, hear me? Did I you not, not hear me? I could not give that information. <laughs> <laughs> and he's about to fucking murder her, but Cattle then he, her in the temple. He hears some another the... person. He's like, It's your it's your lucky day. It's your lucky day. I gotta go. Let's talk about Kelly McDonald. Oh, we can Incredible. start there. Just startable. With Kelly McDonald. Not Academy Award nominee. Ridiculous. Willem, where are you going, Will? Lewin. Lewin. It's actually Llewellyn. Llewellyn. Inside Llewellyn Moss. Alternate right. title for <laughs> this film. It's Llewellyn and Lewin is Lewin Davis. It's not... Your, your mother's dead, <laughs> Well, I'll tell her myself. I knew this wasn't over. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. You don't Why have to do anything. That? It's just you. Call it. <laughs> Okay, we have to talk. Okay, so, no, yes, Kelly McDonald. Sure. She's, Do you want to say? I mean, that's all. I just wanted to say she's amazing. She's fantastic. Should've also, been a, she should have been nominated. With me with the sad eyes. That gets me every time. Anyone that acts with sad eyes. I, I don't know if she smiles through the entire movie. <laughs> I don't think she so. does not. 
when you um i think that one needs to be careful about giving too much credit to an accent but if you have heard Kelly McDonald's yeah. thick Scottish drawl, mm-hmm. the way that you don't for a second think she is not living in a trailer in mm-hmm. West Texas, mm-hmm. I mean, that's masterful. I love right when there. Tommy Lee Jones walks up to her and all he does is put on his hat and she crumbles into tears. And that's the whole that's scene. The power of acting. That's the whole scene of her finding out he's dead. Well, this, is, this movie knows to shut the fuck up and to let the camera and the direction speak for itself. And this movie knows to get in too late and to leave too early. Yep. Better than any other movie. I mean, this movie should have won Best Sound Editing and Mixing. Oh, yeah. Its use of silence is incredible. My When I was watching this yesterday, my roommates came home right before the hotel showdown, and I paused mm-hmm. the fucking movie until all the noise was done. Because every little tink and ding mm-hmm. and boom and tire deflating and window being shot out and just like creaking of a chair as someone leans back and waits like mm-hmm. it's just so crucial to the tension in the scene yeah i just fucking paused it i wasn't gonna ruin it i was because you wouldn't have gotten the impact if you couldn't hear everything intense silence yeah yeah silence. that's all i was gonna say martin's crusades Silence. Which is not really what we've come to expect from the Coen brothers. No, right. I mean, this is this is like they've they've always been masters of visual storytelling. Just mm-hmm. to get that. But, but this is completely different than anything they've done before. No. Or well, since. I right. Isn't yeah. It? It feels and very yes singular. And no. I th- I think that it's this right. movie doesn't rely on screwy dialogue in a way that even some of their more dramatic pictures, No Country Aside. Still do. Like, Miller's Crossing, for instance, is mm-hmm. still, like, a verbally driven film. Yeah. But um, No Country for Old Men has so many elements of their other films leading up to it. Yeah. It does it, have some Fargo in the, it. It's got some Fargo. I it think reminds it's, me it's got Barton Fink. It's got so much Blood, blood, and, blood Simple's, like, the best movie ever made. And it reminds me a lot of Lewin Davis. Well, I'm talking about everything that but, came before yeah, it, but yes, absolutely. But, um, while still maintaining some of the regional humor that a lot mm-hmm. of their movies have, but like the shot, and the amazing faces that they are able they to are cast. They are so yes, absolutely. Um, which they don't do in everything. I feel like the Coens yeah. either do just star-studded, like mm-hmm. ho- like Hollywood from A to Z, like yeah. every cast member. Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar's a great example. Oh brother. Oh brother's a great example. But then you get like your inside Lewin Davises, which cast just a litany of character actors. You've got uh, you Robin Abraham for three minutes of yeah. screen time. Yeah. But with this, like with the hotel manager, did you not hear me? And then all mm-hmm. of the people that Sugar pulls over on the side of the freeway. Yep. And it speaks to this decency that the movie is lamenting, like the, that it's disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- the movie feels so much more political to me watching it now. And that, like, this is right before Ronald Reagan is elected, and it's a country that feels like it has lost itself. It has lost its moral center. Say no country. Yeah, isn't that the actual line? The way that the the line is in the movie. Well, the I title? don't. I don't, No one says there's. It's no from a Yates poem, isn't men. it? Yes, but someone says like there ain't no country for you. Something yes. like that. The old guy says it to Tommy Lee. The old guy with the, the, coffee, the stale <laughs> coffee. Yeah, he says it to Tommy Makes Lee. Makes a pot a week. Mm-hmm. I just love the way this movie is a meditation on time. Mm-hmm. That's very striking to me. And how uh, everything is fate. Not fate, you, but like it's yes. random too. Like it's just... But it was gonna happen. You can't it's stop what's happen. coming. Everything else is vanity. The Fatalism, idea, yeah. It's funny like... The Coens are actually great examples of, like, Preston Sturgis, like, 
like Hollywood screwball, like movies where the plot happens from the characters, like mm-hmm. Fargo, right? Like uh, Steve, Peter Stormare kills a cop, and then that sets this entire story into motion. Right. But no country takes the tact that, like, no, like no matter what you do, you won't really have an impact on what's already going to happen. It's mm-hmm. quite vain to think that you can alter the course of human history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's just like this cosmic cruelty to the proceedings yes. of No Country for Old Men that make it so distinct. Yeah. And indifferent than a lot of the other. I films. think. Of the the five films nominated, it is the most bleak. Even oh including, yeah, <laughs> even including there will be blood. Yeah, well, there will be blood is also funny. Yes. There will be blood has humor. Yeah, exactly. That's true. I just think it's a uh, it's such a sparse movie. It's what, such a fucking. I mean, both of these movies are like condemnations of America, mm-hmm. but like. I don't even know how to say what I'm trying to say. Well, I think that it's a movie that believes in good and evil, but that most people fall in the middle, and every character but the embodiments of good and evil die in the movie. Like, Shigur walks away with a broken arm, Ed Tom Bell talks about his dream at the end. Yeah. Every other character is dead. Mm -hmm. Everyone who's in that gray area in the middle Mm -hmm. is just left in the wake of that destruction. There is something, there's a moment he leaves the house after visiting Kelly McDonald, and you are for a second like, maybe he didn't kill her. And he does something. What is it? He looks at the bottom of his shoes. Yes. Yes. As if he had stepped in dog shit. And you're like, That's how you know. She killed her. It's such a gutting moment. I love it. I love the motif of cowboy boots. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You always see the boots. Yeah, checking the boot after Kelly McDonald. Great piece of visual storytelling. Perfect shot. It looks like a fucking Pollock painting. Speaking of boots, Sugar's first kill of the the deputy. The The scuff marks of the boots on Mm -hmm. the floor. And just like the, and it's just like this foreboding unstop. Oh, and then just the, the, the squeeze of blood coming out of his neck. I but just, yeah. Just after the kill, which is like so unsettling, mm-hmm. just like Javier Bardem's eyes bulging out of his face. But then we just and have isn't like that a, like five minutes into the movie. Yeah, we too. barely started. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> like, just, there, there, there's this silent, slow tilt from those scuff marks, like up the deputy's legs. Oh. This is what I was going to say. I sp- I've been racking my brain all day because Brandon's log for Michael Clayton is one of the best shots in the movie, which is where mm. Tilda, in oh. the end of the movie, fall- she faints and like falls to her feet falls in the background, background out of focus. And in No Country for Old Men, when the deputy is on the phone being like, yeah, I picked him up. He's got like this cattle fraud with him. We see in the background out of focus Shigur like toss like his arms behind his head to get the like handcuffs off and mm-hmm. then like approach him. But I just love story told in the background in a single yeah. shot. No need to cut. Why cut? That's what this movie is so good. Like it knows how to convey information so subtly but also so tactfully. What I love about that element of this movie is that there are like whole sequences that are done in inserts. Oh yeah, like I've got an example. Shot shot. Yeah, go for it. It's when uh, when Garrett Dillahunt and Tommy Lee Jones come to Llewellyn's trailer, mm-hmm. and Garrett Dillahunt sweeping the place with his gun. Tommy Lee Jones walks up to the couch insert of the imprint of the blown out door handle or the lock mm-hmm. from the cattle bar gun pushed up against the wood, mm-hmm. and then like down at the couch mm-hmm. it said everything yep. mm-hmm. and then he sits down and has a glass of milk because he knows he's not here mm-hmm. yeah like he's been here yep he's left there's still frost on the glass yep one of my we're favorite... dealing with a maniac here and no one says a word yep one of my favorite shots in this movie is when Tommy Lee Jones is outside that same door or no is it the hotel door but some door and he looks in the ring of the blown out keyhole mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. sees 
or we see, does he see the reflection Sugar of Sugar? sees the reflection of Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we get both angles of the little reflection in the yeah. in the the hole. Yep. Keyhole, yeah. Um Oh, the other thing I want to say was just Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins Roger knows Deacons. how to dramatize two people on opposite sides of a door and the fate of their lives hang in the balance. Roger Deakins can Double shoot nominee. the distance between two people better than anyone. He also there okay, so Current now Academy Award winner. Yes, by the time this drops, Academy <laughs> Award winner Roger Deakins. Oh, how yeah. The, how the hell did they make their days on this movie, considering how much of it takes place at dusk? I think about after Moss. Well, you know, this came, This was filmed before the economy tanked, so they had enough days to shoot the <laughs> right, movie. Right, right. Well, that's I just, the thing. That was, that was my thought when Moss... I think that's another thing we have to bring up is that this is the last year. I of, did bring it up at the top. Oh, Let's talk about this it. This is the last slate of movies before the 2008 Wall Street crash. Yeah, and yeah. things were already pretty fucking bleak leading up to that moment. And these are all Bush-era movies? Exactly. Yeah. The yeah. next Best Picture winner is about a nobody who stumbled into a million dollars. Mm-hmm. You know? And his life goes exactly in order as the questions that they are. He's asked people on the are, show. People are dying for Academy answers at for this best moment. Screenplay, Slumdog Millionaire. I fucking hate that. Jai Ho. Can't wait for the oral history. Juno. <sighs> but anyway, um, but yes, atonement does not speak to it, America. No, but it speaks to its own national wound of World mm-hmm. War Two. It does. Mm-hmm. And Juno um, is. Uh, certainly contemporary and that it's about social issues and it's yeah. about a, sort of a fight between conservative and liberal values in a sense mm-hmm. like the way yeah. how Juno is this freak because she represents like this new progressive generation right. who is sort of throwing away the way that other people the older generation speak and the way that they behave mm-hmm. um, anyway Ben I just think it, uh, it almost predicts the financial crash in the like the ruthlessness of American culture all of the, not all of them, the three that are like deeply masculine and American, Michael Clayton, There Will Be Blood in No Country, are all like fierce interrogations of the American dream. Completely agree. And they, like, I don't know, I lost it. I've Ma- had too much no. to drink. No, I'm with you. No, let's, <laughs> keep, no, let's keep, yeah, going no, keep going. Michael Clayton is about the human cost of cost benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. It's about the idea of losing yourself by signing your soul away to a company for your entire life, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a law firm or whether it's a poisonous uh, uh, Monsanto-type company. Yeah. Um, it, it is about the human effects of capitalism and about signing your life away to a business you have, or a corporation. Are you going to side with the corporation or are you going to side with humanity? Yes. And mm-hmm. we don't get really get a face of I'm Shiva, the god of death. If this were a less... No, we do. Anna. Merit Weaver. Yeah, but it's like not... Oh, that's who that is. It's mm-hmm. not Norma Ray. No, you no, know no, what no. I mean. But it's not trying to be. But no, and I know it's not. I know, but I just I think the fact that it stays in mostly in the corporate world is really interesting, yeah. and I think more effective for what it's trying to do. I do too. Um, it 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 doesn't. It never feels like it is grafting on the dark thriller elements to it. No. The story feels wrought out of its own like dirty birth, like mm-hmm. of its own creation. It all feels so tied to these characters or occupations 
you believe you, you don't not believe at first just to speak in double negatives like you you certainly believe Tilda Swinton calling a contract killer on the phone mm-hmm. and then being like uh can you hear me now uh yes I've got the code just um, uh, one second <laughs> like it, she is doing that thing that we all do when we're like on the phone with you know the city or mm-hmm. whatever like oh yeah sure um, um I think this is it like it is showing the dark side of that corporate language and yeah. that culture yeah. and there is something so beautiful about her posturing in it because you know she doesn't, she's not thinking twice about like killing Michael Clayton or killing Arthur, mm-hmm. but she portrays this false ambivalence that you see in Fargo season two, for instance, this whole like swapping out of like faux mainstream values that are actually tied to corporations making more right. money and exploiting regular people and real honesty and earnesty that you see on the main street. Shove aside like all the problematic elements of Main Street America, yeah. um, and There Will Be Blood is doing a similar thing in that it's it's pointing out that the idea of pulling yourself up from your bootstraps actually means like digging yourself a hole into hell. Like you're mm-hmm. not pulling yourself up; you're actually pushing yourself down, and, and you're selling yourself. Yeah, to the devil. There's no mistake. The selling your God. To, yeah, soul. to the bile of America's heart. I mean, the oil is so terrifyingly shot it's just this sickening goo of corruption like it's it's no surprise that like when pta is trying to make a movie about capitalism Mm -hmm. and religion too but put that to the side Mm -hmm. you have to dig down into the earth earth towards hell religion is a capitalist enterprise in america absolutely i mean it's like the butting the heads of the two and the Mm -hmm. way that their money flows freely between the two and and how capitalism is its own religion. back to michael clayton what's really interesting is that the whole uh, looming over the entire movie and it's barely discussed beyond the scene it's introduced is that their company is getting merged with someone else with an international with an international company and it's like it's sort of the the no country thing of this futility of what effort they're trying to do like like they could all be out of a job whatever value system oh and her second i love when michael's secretary comes in is like what does this mean for us Mm mm-hmm um, but no, it's that idea of holding on to a value system that belongs to an antiquated world. And that the people who are in power are moving past that. Yep. While you, a plebe, are your life is hanging in the balance. And, your dreams, yeah. your it restaurant. It sets off Michael Clayton. Would he choose what he does? Would he do what he's doing if like, he hasn't seen the House of Cards is starting to fall down? Yeah. I mean, he's got a three-year contract. He does. <laughs> I'm so jealous of him that he manages to pay off all his debts <laughs> like that with Sidney Pollack, good guy Sidney Pollack. Sidney Pollack, producer, Academy Award nominee for Best Picture for this movie. That's right. And really? Yeah. Anthony Minghella and Sidney Pollack. Yeah. Uh, produced this film. Love Sidney. How fun. Love it. Um, let's dive into There Will Be Blood. We started sure. a little bit, but we haven't talked about it fully yet. Yeah. Sure. I'll just quickly say about No Country for Old Men, all four leads should have been nominated for Oscars. Yes. In my opinion. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones got the SAG nomination, and he then he got the Best in, Actor nomination for In the in Valley, Valley of the Law, yeah. Paul Haggis' Crash follow-up. He should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think that Tommy Lee Jones is a criminally underrated actor, because especially in our generation, because yeah. we think about him as the grumpy guy at award shows who looks like he has, tra- like he has been transported from a Civil War battlefield, but he... There is just a, like a weight and a sadness and a history behind his eyes, and that has been true since he was a young man. Yeah, um, and it's just this is the perfect role for him. It might be his best performance. It's certainly the best marriage of world weary actor with world weary performance. Mm-hmm. And Josh Brolin is—he just wants to retire. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but he's so confused. He doesn't understand the world around him. Yeah, I think it's his best. I forgot he was nominated for best actor in 
Valley of the Law, which is starring not, not, starring Charlize Theron. Not a great movie, but he's very good in it. I don't remember that movie. Um, I don't know if I've seen it. But you know who else got into the Best Actor lineup? Vigo. Vigo for showing his dick. Showing his dick. Vigo. Knife and a man in the face. Vigo right is another one that he's just like he gets the nomination. Did he get the Captain Fantastic nomination? Yes. He yeah. He just he he always. And that, that is what guided that prediction for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he got like that the he BAFTA nomination. No, he doesn't always get in. But it's like there was, there is a an. There is a quality to his performances that never feel like posturing. They feel mm-hmm. real. They feel earnest. They feel in the moment. And in Eastern Promises, where he plays a Russian gangster, and in Captain Fantastic, where like takes place in an alternate universe, basically, where he's like Mr. Outdoorsman, raising yeah. a family of kids. These are like roles that are hard to bring a level of reality to. Yeah. Like they are so writerly in mm-hmm. a way. Like they're just so, pardon the pun, but like so fantastical. Or just like so fictional, and he manages to ground them yeah. and make you believe in the story of his character. Eastern Promises is so good. Speaking of throat his, slitting, uh, and wait, Todd, who's the theme? Is it oh Naomi? Oh yeah, Naomi's in. Yes, she is. She's great in that. <laughs> okay, we are. So there will be blood. Hour twenty into this. Oh fuck, we, we can go a little long. We'll, we'll, we'll move. We can move. We can move. But okay, we can go a little long. I want to talk about Livy and Rose. I want to talk about the savages. Oh, okay. I want to talk about Ratatouille. Okay, so let's just get into there will be blood. Um, it's the treasure of Sierra Madre. Now I feel a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh, sorry. For, forget I said anything. You've ruined me. I will start. I have a com- you have a competition in you. I you, have a competition in me. You want to get to the best actors race. Wasting my time. I want to talk about I love when he Laura Linney. Don't be thick in front of Is me, Al. on his face. <laughs> when he puts, and he just oh, starts yes. shouting. <laughs> the napkin. Because yeah. then the boy can't read his lips. I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, so oh, that's why he does it. Yes. Oh my god, I forgot how much he used. So I haven't. This is the second time I've seen There Will Be Blood since I saw it the first time in a theater in a in theatra. a arena theater in Birmingham, Michigan. <laughs> um, this is the second time I've seen this movie. Uh, holy shit! It's so good. Holy shit! The way we cut from. The boy and the girl jumping off the thing to them getting married yeah. at the time cut. Oh. Holy shit. Ah. I forgot how much he uses his son as a pawn. Mm-hmm. I'm a feminine the- man. I'm a feminine man. Here's what's great about that, though. When we cut and he's rescued the baby, and then we cut and he's like seven or whatever, and uh, they're that shot. Yes, he's the two of them together. Pontificating, and yeah. the boy's here. If I say I'm an old man, you will agree. Yes. I got 15 wells. We just closed one up in Barton Springs. I'm an oil man. But that relationship with H.W. is so much more complex than just using him as a pawn, even though he certainly is. What I found, I found myself so moved by that relationship this time around. I'm used to getting swept up in the damning of American capitalism Mm -hmm. and the intermingling of business and religion and how, like, the human cost of it. Which is, the movie does a great job of setting up just all the, the casualties of capitalism along yeah. the way. All the people who are down in the well, who have pieces of machinery that bash their head in due to carelessness. Mm-hmm. Like, that's its own thing. Anyway, table that. But, like, I generally get swept up in that just excoriating, scathing critique. This time around, I was so moved by the affection that Plainview does have for H.W. Yeah. That, that he is both he using him as a means of pushing his business forward but he has a really hard time saying goodbye to him. Even though he does what he has to do, he's a businessman. Mm-hmm. He's not going to linger. Right. He lies, gets up, and walks away. 
But it doesn't seem like that's an easy decision for him on his I don't face. Think it is, no. He yeah. knows, and what a great shot. When the train is moving in the background, it's going away, and HW is being pulled back by Siren Hines. Mm-hmm. Plainview hears him screaming and knows what he's done, but he doesn't have time to worry about it. But somehow, Daniel Lewis is still able to communicate the regret in that and that in the end of the movie when he is uh fighting back against hw you can tell that it's partly because he feels like he went out of his way to give him the life that he has now like sent him to the special school like made the hard choices Mm -hmm. but because he always viewed life through the business and he never leaned into that personal connection and just the idea of family he always used it more as a sell like a selling tactic rather Mm -hmm. than letting that just hang in its own way putting important that once HW starts his own business, that's the end of the relationship. Yep. Yeah. It's tragic. You are my competition now. Bastard from a basket! Oh my god. <laughs> when he just is bellowing that. <coughs> Bastard from a basket. <laughs> um, Tell him what I said. <laughs> uh, I love just like fucking trashed Daniel Plainview hobbling in the bowling alley. <laughs> That bowling- oh, <laughs> and he's and so start to drink your milk and he chugs the water. Yeah, which I always uh, like to think is vodka, I, but it is water. And I yeah, always, I like to think it's vodka too. I think of it every time I'm hungover. Yes, <laughs> it's it, it's the water. waking up at one in the morning on your couch and hobbling You're to find like, the <gasps> That bowling alley scene is such an all-timer. Oh, yeah. And Leaving quite a mess for Jean Dielman to clean up. Mm. Oh. Sorry, I just wasn't going to get it in. And... Was. Um, last time I watched it, I was like, this movie feels like it's 90 minutes long, mm-hmm. but it is two hours and two like and a half, 240, 240, 240. I believe uh, it is 158 minutes. And, um, and it just breezes by. That's a fact I know yeah. off the top of my head. I'm finished. <laughs> I've seen, I've probably seen this movie as much as I've seen any movie in my life. It's one of the great American films, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we probably can't have a serious conversation about it here. And as I've seen it so many times... I see how little money they had to work with. It and is... I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah, totally. You really do notice the shoestring budget. Like, getting that tower, that was probably one shot to light it on fire I and think make it most, fall. So I think most of his budget went to the pyrotechnics. Shots. There are yeah. so many, like, austere sets that yes. you can really feel they... Every single dollar is on the screen. And, which yeah. helps because it, it, it's a period detail. Like, mm-hmm. everything is just thrown together in a very functional way. There's mm-hmm. no time for it to be fancy. They're just putting together an operation so they can drill oil. Yeah. They'll spend the money on a house later. They're just trying to get a roof over their heads for mm-hmm. the next couple months. But, yes, it totally works on that level. Yeah. And, um, and you get a lot of the, uh, a lot of the drama is in the lighting, in the lens choices, especially in, in the fire sequence. Like, I, I don't know the name of the uh, lens, but... Fire sequence. Yeah, but, but oh. the one that... I, again, I don't know which lens it would be, but, like, it's very frosty and smoky on the sides, and the color is very obscured. And we cut between that, like, where it's just pitch black. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a photo negative. And then, like, a wider shot, and it's magic hour in the background. Like, the lighting yeah. is not consistent. Yeah. But you don't care because... And it's not even a Thelma Schoonmacher thing where it's like the hand doesn't need to match between shots A and B. Right. We get it. It's that the movie, in moments like that, you, you the viewer, know it's a movie, but it doesn't mm-hmm. take you out. Right. There's something like so... It's you just, magical. You, it's magical. It's movie magic. Yeah, I agree. It's just trying... It's It just feels intentional, even if it isn't. Even if it was just, this is what we have. Yeah. yeah. We don't know that it wasn't, but it feels intentional. 
just obligatory plug here, or not a plug, but that we all know that No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood were shooting in Marfa, Texas at the same time, and that No Country's, one of their days was interrupted because PTA was doing a pyrotechnic test on that oil derrick explosion, and there was so much, I I mean, think about both movies, just use the expanse of, like, the Texas wilderness, all Mm -hmm. these major wide shots, so much sky, so much mountains. Like, there's just a, a plume of smoke going off in No That's Country so shots. Funny. They're like, well, we got to find something else to do today. That's funny. It's so crazy that, yeah, these two movies not only are so similar and, like, swept award season the same year, but, like, were shot at the same yeah. time. In same, the same place. place. There's such a similarity. There's, I remember this was, like, the return of the Western year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it well, was then like, we assassination of Jesse James, James by the camera yeah. before The 310 to Yuma. Yep. I'm so glad you bring that up. 310 yeah. to Yuma <laughs> is a, such a better film than... I mean, nobody talks about it being bad, but nobody talks about it. It is a Western... I haven't seen it since it came out, but so I remember good. I liked it a lot. It is a Western that feels like of the era that it's told, but it is shot like a contemporary film. I don't know. It, I don't think it was digital, but just the way that hmm. it's lit, it doesn't go out of its way to look like Unforgiven, which is a revisionist Western. Like everything, All the wood is damp. There's smoke score. everywhere. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And, and Ben Foster, um, who has a real problem with showboating, it is mm. a perfectly over-the-top performance. It's like this Oh, Mangold. it's James Mangold. That yeah. Director of Logan, and it makes a lot of sense because yeah. the kills really hurt in 310 to Yuma. You get this idea of, oh, Brandon, huh. you know who plays the young boy in the film? <gasps> Logan Lerman? It's Mr. Logan Lerman. It's Mr. Oh. Logan Lucky himself. It Aren't is. you a little... Lucky Logan, lucky. What about Brandon? Caleb Landry-Jones? And uh, I just you got a bone sticking out of your arm. Hey, yeah, a bone sticking out of your arm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, out of your arm. Yeah. It's not the kid who takes off his shirt. No, no. the other one. Who has a? One. God, I saw that. He has boy's really body. pointed nipples. No, and I was so like I saw this like seventeen-year-old boy with a perfect body, and I was like, Were you jealous? I was sad. jealous. Yeah. I was sad. I was like, why didn't I try to have that? At that I know. Age? That would have been the time. Oh, you know that was just genes for him. Just but genetics. And he probably was raised wealthy. Because I didn't work out a bodies. day in my life in high school. It wasn't just genes. <laughs> yeah, I often think, why didn't I like try harder at Set athletics? Set yourself up for greatness. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing a picture of myself at like 12 years old, and I'm not like fetishizing myself or anything, but I was like... No, that's a body you can start with. Like, <laughs> you can put some muscles on that. You can build some pecs and abs. I'll never Ooh. forget. It still haunts me. It was like freshman year health class. My ripped teacher said, well, boys, now's the time to work out hard because it you, you build a lot of muscle fast. Yes! And yes! I didn't take his advice. <laughs> I'm thinking about the coach and Lady Bird. Up. And you're the, fucked up. And then you go in! Go in! <laughs> and the class just scribbling. Okay, I don't wanna be, I don't wanna lose there will be blood. I don't wanna lose this. Um, I, I just wanna talk about some of the humor in this film. The movie's fucking hilarious. It reminded me a I lot like of Phantom Every Yes, that's why I wanna bring it Every up. Every Paul Thomas Anderson movie is a comedy. But I didn't know that when I saw There Will Be Blood. No, neither did I. I when I originally saw it, it was like, this is the most severe movie. Severe, no. yes. It and is I, not. It's very funny at times. I brought this up on our fan of it episode, but like, I got into a bit of a squabble with my drama teacher because I was like, mm-hmm. this is the most important movie ever made. Like, it's dark. It's fucked up. Like, we mm-hmm. must take it seriously. And now I see the shot at the beach after... Plainview's fake brother can't answer, mm-hmm. like, about the lily field across the bay. And then Plainview, like, 
gets back in the water, and we just cut to him, like, looking, like, stern, like, in the water. Like, he is just staring daggers as, like, his body, like, rises and falls in the waves. It is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. He's so angry. And there's some, like, line deliveries from, um... Why am I drawing a blank? Paul Dano? <laughs> From Paul Dano. Paul Dano? From oh. Paul Dano. Yeah, that whole performance. Yeah. And then when Daniel Day Lewis is like, quite the, that was, you put on quite the show. <laughs> quite a goddamn show. <laughs> so funny. I, so funny. And like, I remember like being on the fence about the Paul Dano performance at the time, being like, it totally works. It's not going to be he on my ballot. He should have been nominated. The reason why is because the reason why he didn't get the nomination is because everybody was thinking about Little Miss Sunshine. They're like, right. "There's the boy from Little Miss Sunshine, oh, the colorblind yeah. quiet guy who mm-hmm. can't become a pilot." Like, you didn't I don't think audiences including myself took him as seriously as we should have. And now yeah. you view it as like, "That is a perfectly foreign performance, one that he had 4 days to put together." Because yeah. we all know he was originally cast as Paul Sunday, and then whoever was cast in the Eli Sunday role wasn't working out, and so PTA then cast him in the role and then four days later he went to set and did eli sunday yeah so can we talk about the duel the eli paul so whether they're the same person yeah it's a good question i think about that i mean the two times i've seen I it but i thought i thought, about thought he is the same person me too i thought it was a scheme mm-hmm. yep and the way that eli plays the dinner table negotiation yeah he, it's so knowing. Mm-hmm. And it's Paul could not have written a letter because we're then to understand that Paul has been basically kicked out of the family. Right. Like, he, he has gone far away. So they, they're identical twins. Like, like, they can be identical twins in this universe. Right. And he can still impersonate him. Right. You know? Like, he can... It makes the lie it, more believable. It makes it so believable. But he... he Eli is just too knowing. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly... He... He anticipates every question, every demand that Plainview has. I told you I would eat you! I told you! Alright, let's see. I've abandoned my child! I've abandoned my child! I've abandoned my boy! Even if you find one that has money and means to drill, he'll maybe know nothing about drilling and I'll have to hire the job out on contract. And then you're depending on a contractor who will rush the job through so he can get another contract just as quick as he can. This is the way that this works. <laughs> I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what the others promise to do, when it comes to the showdown, they won't be there. Oh, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> we, we, of course, know the uh, Doheny connection that uh, it's not just that Doheny is the oil man that Plainview most closely resembles, but that they shoot inside Greystone Manor, yes. which I don't know if you two have ever been to Greystone Manor. Uh-huh. Would highly recommend going I went on a date there in college and made out on the grounds. Oh. It was quite illicit. Draining. Talk about drainage. <laughs> I, what I love about that scene with Eli is that it starts with him waking up still drunk. Uh huh. And that's why he chugs all that water and then it's like, and then he has himself a drink. I like that he refuses Eli's drink. He's like, Daniel, can I make you a drink? I'm fine. <laughs> and then he makes himself a little something. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm good. I have to drive. I'm not taking a lift tonight. I'm only taking surface streets. There's no traffic on the 110. 
It's a quick zip. I've only had two. <laughs> ben. Ben at Mickey's at 4 a.m. The last bag flying. Last I'll just take a lift. <laughs> last uh, bag none flying. None for me. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm good. Do I look drunk? Smell my breath? Can we move on to Ratatouille? Yes, please, that's all I ever wanted. <laughs> just to make it explicit, I know we said it in the beginning, but Daniel Day-Lewis does do the Gary Oldman jowl shake of <laughs> in the iconic, uh, I've abandoned my child! Abandoned when Gary Oldman accepts his Academy Award for Best Actor, he should say, and I thank Daniel Day-Lewis. As my inspiration. He will be the second person to win the Academy Award for Best Actor. For oh, Logan no. <laughs> I went to type in Ratatouille and I went to Emily Ratajkowski. Oh, star of Gone Girl. <laughs> star of Gone Girl. Okay. All right, so we've covered all of the Best Picture nominees <laughs> in varying detail. And now we're moving Michael on. Michael Clayton is a paranoid 70s thriller. Okay, mm-hmm. we said it. <laughs> moving on. We're moving on to Ratatouille. Pixar's Best Ratatouille. Film. The movie... It's a peasant dish. It's a peasant dish. When it flashes back, when Max von Sydow... <laughs> Peter O'Toole. It is Peter O'Toole. <laughs> He's an O'Toole man. I just cut everything I say. Why did I think it was Max von Sydow? Star of Diving Bell and the Butterfly should have been nominated. The star of... Uh. Extremely loud and incredibly close. Ben is holding his hands. Academy Award nominee for that. Out of nowhere. My apologies to Professor O'Toole. (laughs) Peter O'Toole, star of Ratatouille, plays Anton Ego, and when he enters a time machine in his mind, (laughs) zoom, Ratatouille's game. Um, and and, And just, it's... So special. It's Pure. so. Can we? It's Citizen Con. Just say the Citizen, thing yes, that we can. need to say, which is Brad Bird made a movie about the dish ratatouille, and it's a movie about rats. Yeah, <laughs> the, just, it's a he. It we shouldn't work. Nothing about this movie <laughs> should work. But it's. I'm like, pulling my hair, and my leg is not moving. I just imagine he was really high one night. Brad Bird doesn't. Smugly. He might. Everyone does. And he was probably like, rats making ratatouille. <laughs> and then he went on to make a fucking masterpiece. That's probably how this started. Oh I swear God. to God. No, probably. And it's just... Ghosts make protocol. Ghost <laughs> protocol. And it's just... It's, it's a testament to his skill as a filmmaker that he created something so... Emotional rich. and rich, so resonant, and, and, and it's it it addresses class, it addresses capitalism, it addresses capitalism, it addresses uh, you know art, gender, art, art making. Oh yeah, when um this when Janine Garofalo was like, it's a white man or an old man's world. Yeah, yeah, that whole like the, she's fucking woke as shit. Yeah, she's woke. She can't get ahead. This is also the movie. I mean, not to. Go from Gene Garofalo, but just quickly while we're on the topic of comics, this like breaks Patton Oswalt into the big time. Yeah, you oh, know, I can't remember anything else before this. Well, I remember his uh, uh, Werewolves and Lollipops, his stand-up album oh. that came out around this time was really strong. Um, I think I heard that before Ratatouille, yes. but I can't be certain. I love something I think about often is when she's like, 
your apron should be dirty, but your sleeves should be clean. Yeah. I just am like, that's such a nice detail. I wonder if that must be real. I mean, that's a <laughs> oh, motto for def- hard work. It's def- yeah. It's Show the work, but look professional. Right. And I think about it a lot. Cool head, dirty hands. I forgot what I was going to say. I was probably just going to start crying thinking about this movie. <laughs> I mean, so I saw this movie. I didn't. Oh see yeah, it tell in, us your I story. didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on New Year's Eve that year. On Losing DVD. your virginity. Yes. Uh, in the theater. No. I'm saying it so you have to keep the previous bit. No, I know. But you're gonna feel like a jackass when it's not for in the episode. Insu- no, for inserting that right now. It was the day that my grandpa died. <laughs> Can we take it back? <laughs> Let's enter the time machine. Okay, so what was that like? Um, I cried a lot. Wait, so so it was totally You unrelated. saw it before or you saw it after I found out? After you found out, okay. So my friend was, one of my friends was house-sitting for like a cousin home from college. So we were like, we're going to party New Year's Eve at his house. And it was just like our like 10 closest group of friends. It wasn't like a big thing. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, they were already discussing, let's just watch Ratatouille. And then, like, I hadn't really told anyone my grandpa died yet. And I found out I had to work that day. I worked at a daycare. And, uh... You, you were in charge of children? I know, I'm great with children. Actually, I But you'll never that. have, like, you'll never have a pet? Or do you want to have kids? No, I don't have kids. I don't want to have a husband. I'm only interested in having children. You want to be Jennifer Garner. Yes, I'm only interested in having children. Nice. I, I will never share space with another human being. It's nice when you unless realize that... Unless they're my child. Love doesn't exist if you have a problem with cohabitation. Mm-hmm. I would love to have children. I'd like to have a fleet someday. Not right now because I couldn't afford it, but someday. Sure. A fleet of children. A fleet of children. You want to hang An out army. With... A yeah. flotilla An of An army babies. of BB Grants. Yeah. BB Grants. <laughs> of armed toddlers mm-hmm. ready to fight yeah, your wars. That's right. Um, and my mom called me, and she never calls me, and I was like, I know. Yeah. My grandpa died. I knew it in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my grandpa was very close to us. I've written a movie about him. Wow. Um, because my grandma died when I was a freshman in high school, and my grandpa was just, like, functionally illiterate because of his age. I don't mean reading. I mean, in a living a life as a human being because right. my grandma did everything for him. So Functionally illiterate. Yes. So, like, he... I saw him literally every day all of high school because he would come over for dinner. And the food. movie's about... Food. Yeah. We had food together every day. And the movie's about how uh, my uncle moved in with my grandfather and, like, started doing meth. And my grandpa, like, fell oh, that, in love... Yeah, that one. My, my grandpa fell in love with <laughs> my uncle's girlfriend it was like very fucked up and she stole my grandma's identity and like things happened and my grandma had like six strokes in five years that's all in the script yeah and that's all true yeah wow the pit of our stomachs pit of our stomachs mm-hmm. i uh i fictionalized in i have them selling meth yeah and i think my uncle did but my grandpa didn't that's fictional but i have sure. them all selling meth like a breaking bad i'm i'm still very, very breaking bad my heart is still very hung up on the fact that you watched so this movie watch about tying TV. food and emotions together the night you find out that your grandpa who you had a lot of you shared many dinners with mm-hmm. passed so what was that like i mean i don't remember the specific emotions other than i was like all i remember is i was i got there everyone was like 
something has clearly happened to you today. And then it's like, I wasn't going to bring it up at all because it's New Year's Eve, but my grandpa died. And then we just watched Ratatouille. And I just cried like a baby. I don't remember. Yeah. It was 10 years ago now. That's wild. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, on top of... And I'll never forget that that's how I saw Ratatouille the first time. Oh, yeah. No, you, you never that's... will. Yeah, that's there forever. Mm-hmm. It's like this. This movie is so it makes you cry already. But on top yeah. of that happening, I was just like emotionally primed for this movie. I mean, this is not to not to move away from this because it. I'm no, saying we can't. It, I'm saying it because it has everything to do with this. This is what Pixar is so talented at: mm-hmm. is that they're able to distill shared emotions in their films that once. Once they hit you, they just trigger a well of your own memories. That's mm-hmm. what Ratatouille is all and about. That's, and that's what we cry about. Like That's why Brandon is crying at a rat pulling someone's hair. Because somehow that manages to pull a heartstring inside of him. Like mm-hmm. it, It's like they are just such skilled hypnotherapists. Mm-hmm. And they're able to lull you into the narrative of the film. And then all of a sudden like pull out a formative trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... God, this is this is why I think it's Pixar's best. It's because it's it it distills what they're so good at, like what you just said—the emotion they're able to pull out, but also just like it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's very adventurous. Yeah. It's very like, oh, where's it going next? It, mm-hmm. It's a great plot, but it's about family. It's about disappointing your family, uh, so you can do what you want to do. It's about yeah. chasing your passion. It's about moving to a foreign place and making new friends. It's about not being taken seriously. It's about being judged. It's about capitalism. It's about legacy. It's has a lot all of these things. A lot of similarities. It's a very long movie, and I don't say that as a flop. But yeah, like, for well, it's a, a very long podcast for today. an animated film. It's hour almost, fifty. Yeah, it's almost two hours. Um, and, and it has a lot to share with Lady Bird, even like oh, this character who wants to go spread beyond their spread its wings and go beyond what their. I want to go to the French coast where culture happens. <laughs> Ratatouille basically says that line. He like, wants to go where food is, and it, yeah, yeah. And, his, and his dad says, "I don't know how I raise such a snob." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's basically Lady Bird, um, Lady Rat, but yeah, Lady Rat, Boy La- Rat, Lady Rat. Um, <laughs> Okay, your comment. A cry rat passion. Okay, it took me like ten minutes to realize that was a pun, a playoff words of what? A quiet passion. A quiet passion. He said a cry rat passion because I cried four times watching in the rat movie. Oh my god! All right, we can move on from ratatouille quickly though. uh, I love the visual design of Chef Gustav's product line like the bastardized product launch and he's making oh, yeah, indian yeah. food and mexican food <laughs> and all this shit it's paul newman right yes he then goes on to start newman's own or cars was the year before yeah but it's newman's own yeah the difference is that all of newman's own proceeds go to charity so i would highly encourage you to buy some italian <laughs> dressing from newman's own next time you are making a salad <laughs> sponsor us newman's and own <laughs> if you're eating a salad then you can probably have some calories to spare and i would recommend sipping them up from a nice malty anchor steam beer mm. at anchor brewing mm. sponsor us mm. Mm. sponsor us <laughs> I'm just gonna please stop that. Okay, I all right. Think, let's move on to best actress. I want to get this done in seven minutes. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to best actress. Have the you guys, savages. Have you guys watched the video of the award recently? Because I watched it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Julie Christie looks stunned and then burst into thunderous applause. K. 
Kate Blanchett, Kate Blanchett says, is immediately yes! just like, yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know she voted for her, so in her head she's thinking, I too can command the wins! So, Nominated for Elizabeth the Golden So, so I watched Livia and Rose for the first time. Reminder, guys, oh. we, still, we still have to pick our faves in each category. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what Marianne Cotillard does in Livia and Rose blew my fucking mind. It's Raging Bull. It's, I mean, it's incredible. I watched this movie with another boy I had a crush on. And nice. um, I made him go. He was straight. He is straight. <laughs> <laughs> Your plan did not <laughs> it work. Go well. yeah. He's probably gay now. No, he's straight. No, I'm sure. Okay. The he cage just, bird did not sing. He just let me take him to whatever movie I wanted. That's very sweet of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <nah>. That <laughs> plan did not work. What are you guys doing? Is this Marion? Nah. Yeah, that's the Edith Piaf mm-hmm. song. Shut up, I, got the, uh, I don't know French or the words to the song. No. Oh, yeah. I just oh, yeah. like how the movie... The script is so like scatterbrained and yeah. all over the place that her eyebrows are just like zzz, 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 zzz. that is how you you can tell time and Livion Rose by how thick Maria Cotillard's eyebrows <laughs> and and how and red her, her hair becomes or just yes. how little hair is she like bald she, at the end of the movie she's totally bald yeah. oh bald. the movie is when okay I didn't like like baby Marion like baby Edith like losing her eyesight I was like okay enough. But anytime Marion's I on the street... I hate disabilities. I... No! Let me tell you came to the wrong genre for the time-hopping biopic. Well, okay. I, they actually don't spend that much time with her, like, young. Mm-hmm. Like, most of Edith is Marion. I any, don't anytime remember it, this movie. Anytime it wasn't Marion, I, I, I was asleep. I only the feelings that I had, which were, I was like... Damn, I Julie Christie remains one of my favorite actors. Period. Any gender, any time period, but and I was like, "Yes." How do you root against Julie Christie? going to win an Oscar, Michael and then Jared. the day before the Oscars, I saw Le'Veon Rose, and I was like, "No, give it to I the little sparrow or whatever." I can't vote. Vote. I'm voting. I, <laughs> I am moving vote. away from her. I could not and root coming for Julie closer to her. Yeah. Um. Do we want to talk about... Well, let me just and it's because say. Julie's not the protagonist of the movie that she's in. She's... Yeah, that's fucked. <sighs> oh, it's not fucked. It, it's... Really hel- it really helps bring in the... Have you guys... Um, and I'm not saying this in like a... You guys haven't even lived it. But have you guys, like, lost family members to dementia? No. Okay, so they just... They, like, slip away. Mm-hmm. Like, they be, they are... They move away. They, are, they move away from her. him, in my case. I mean, my grandmother is still living. She lives in Pasadena. She has dementia. I visit her. She doesn't know who I am. We have a great time, but she doesn't know who I am. Uh, I, the experience of watching this person like slip away from you, where mm-hmm. they go from being like a co-protagonist in your story, being mm-hmm. a main player, to someone who can't be anymore, yeah, because they can't contribute to your story anymore, right? Is very true and away from her, and that's what's so heartbreaking about it. To yeah, me. and I, it's encapsulated well in the scene when like she picks up the bottle of wine, oh, yeah, and then she sort of floats away to when she's uh, cross country skiing and just yeah. like lost for a second in her backyard, and she can't remember the name wine or yeah. the word wine, right? And then she says the thing about Someone like I'm disappearing or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and the structure really simulates the experience of watching a loved one yeah. succumb to dementia. Yeah, I think there's no other way to tell this particular story. I just think 
I couldn't get it's, behind her it's, it's winning not, an award. I mean, she is the lead actress. She's amazing. But yeah, absolutely. I, I hear it's you. It's not her movie. When she doesn't recognize Gordon Penson for the first time, ugh. And you and then Olympia, especially Dukakis best is, actress in particular, just like the politics of how best actress has been awarded over the years. Yeah. They're going to give it to someone who carries the movie. Yeah. It's really incredible that they give it to Marion Cotillard because she's not a nobody in France, but mm-hmm. she wasn't she's she wasn't no ubiquitous in France at the time. I mean, she was in shit, so mm-hmm. maybe ubiquitous is the wrong word to say she's not. <coughs> but she was not the Kate Blanchett <coughs> or the Jennifer Lawrence is a better example. She wasn't like the right. motherfucking she big star of France. Bear. She wasn't Isabelle Huppert, exactly. Yeah. Um, which isn't exactly what I mean to say. No, but like I know. she what people I don't I, I don't know, but I don't think people in France were like, she's the next Huppert. Right. And the fact that the Oscars gave it to her, that's something. And like, she was already kind of like a nobody distributor. I mean, too. she wasn't you can't deny the performance. She wasn't a thing in Hollywood, but she was becoming a thing in Hollywood already. Yeah. Like people knew who she was. Yeah. She was in Big Fish. That's right. She I believe she had already got the Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. Oh, Public Enemies. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. I'm pretty sure That's it was a like movie. It was like he uses digital really well. She was like starting to blow up. Yeah. And so I, it made sense. It's like if this wasn't Frances McDormand's year, and like I don't know what I'm trying to say. I hear you. I mean, she, it's not Star she, she, She's Carol, partly right? like ingenue, like the next big thing. I just want to say a couple things from her Oscar speech that uh, break me down. Oh, you, let's hear I it. adore her. You Oscar rocked speech. my life. <laughs> and then, and then the, she ends it by saying, "Thank you, life. Thank, Thank you, you, love." love. And I say that all the hold time. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know. Thank you, life. Thank you, love. And it is true. There is some angels in this city. <laughs> Thank you so so much. It's one she of the great short Oscars. Her shit. Yeah, it's a really short Oscars. It is. It's like two minutes. Yeah. I'm going to put it in this episode. Oh, oh, <laughs> and it's coming go. in now. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Olivier, what you did to me, Maestro Olivier Dao, you rocked my life. You've truly rocked my life. Thank you so much to Picture House for your passion. Members of the Academy, thank you so, so much. And, um, well, uh, well, I'm speechless now. I, uh, I, well, I thank you, life. Thank you, love. And uh, it is true there is some angels in this city. Thank you so, so much. And we're back. So when I lived in England, this is my first Oscar. I have to bring this up. It's my first Oscar ceremony living eight time zones away from where we are now. So the Academy Awards are broadcast from our city. They take place here in the great city of Los Angeles where there is some angels in this city. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> they take place, They start at 5 a.m., which means they start at 1 in the morning <laughs> in England. And I was already like an Oscar fag at this point. So there was no way I was going to miss it. Right. So when I watched the Oscars that year and then the following year, it's a matter of like taking a nap from like and it's going 9 to midnight. A school day. And then you, it is Sunday night. So I, I would stay up from like one to five watching the Oscars and then I wouldn't want to wake up my family. So I would like stay in the spare room on an air mattress that <laughs> night and then like wake up two hours later and like put on my uniform and go to school. But Marion Cotillard's speech was worth it. And that just to complete my narrative here, now it's the spring, my first year at the school, and I have made some friends. Mm-hmm. And one of whom who is listening, who lives like in Los Feliz now, 
And she and I bonded over this performance in Le'Veon Rose. And we used to, like, watch, like, in our free periods, like, um, we would, like, get on a computer or, like, after school on a laptop, and we would watch the trailer, and we would watch the scene where she's breaking down in the hallway and just yelling, Marcel! Oh, my God. Was that, that must have been her Oscar clip. I don't don't remember. I don't know. I mean, it's a bit But we, like, used to yell across campus to each other, like, Marcel! I love that. Yeah. That scene was the one that stuck with me the most. That's the scene where I was like, holy fuck. She's lost her lover. (laughs) Remember the movie where she loses her limbs in SeaWorld? On body and... No. No, Skin and bone. To the bone. To the bone. Rust and bone. Rust and bone. (laughs) She was this close. I'm doing... Inch, a centimeter, my fingers. Rest and bone. So close. She to was gonna Oscar get nominated. She was yeah. very close, and she should have been nominated. She sits in her wheelchair on the balcony, and Katy Perry's firework plays. Yes, and she marks through her Sea World routine. It's the most devastating thing I've ever Holy seen in my shit. life. Holy shit! Do I need to see this movie? Yes. yes, I've never seen it. It's yes. not great, but she. It's one of those. She's just outstanding. Thank God she gets the nomination for What's two What's it called? It's not To the Bone. That's the... Rust, Rust and Bone. bone. That's the uh, Netflix bone. movie. Because she should have... I love Two Days, One Night. At least four Oscar nominations by now. So we've just named three of them. So the oh, two should... fuck. Name that movie again. Rust four, and Bone. Four, four, two Days, One Night. I haven't seen that either. That's one of my favorite movies of it's the past great. Like, ten years. I gave my screener to a friend for her birthday. So I need to... It's a movie that I was like... It's about workers, Ben. I don't know about this. Like, for, like, 70 minutes, and then you get to the end, and I gasped. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. I'm gonna watch it. When he asks her the question at the end... Don't spoil it. I gasped. I was like, God damn it. Dardens, I mean, done me again. She got nominated for Best Actress for that. Yes, Yes, that's what we're saying. Two Days, One Night. Holy Thank God she shit. did. That was because Jennifer she should not. She should nomination. not have been one and done. She should. It is, and she could have been. Yeah. Like Sophia Loren is one and done. I think so. Okay. Holy I'll, shit. Let me just make sure because I, I did not so realize she was nominated for that role. And I yeah. predicted it, and no one else did. That's I did. Like Jennifer Aniston is going to. And I was like, no. Have you not seen? Because she got movie? snubbed for Cake. Sophia Loren. No, Sophia Loren has two nominations. Okay. So bad example. But wow. <laughs> she should have been nominated for uh, nine. Uh, my husband. Oh my god, Rosamund Pike got nominated for Gone Girl. How great oh is that? God. Oh my god. <laughs> what a year. What a year. Okay. Um let's dial it back for a second and talk. Oh, and Laura Linney and the Savages. So this mm. is how we segue. We're segueing into Oh wait, what, one more thing, one more thing. Let's say quickly, 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 quickly. No, we, have, mean, to, we can we talk haven't done about our winners. It. We Hold have on, to do quickly. Our winners. Just okay. please, it's gonna be so quick, I swear no, to God. Okay, one more thing about Marion Cotillard. I feel like since Le'Veon Rose, we give her credit for doing sort of what we talk about Daniel Kaluuya doing on this podcast, like expressing so much emotion through like almost like a placid face. Like mm-hmm. it's all through the eyes. It, it's it's through the physicality. It's through the function of her face. But she's not. She's never overdoing it. Yeah. And she wins the Oscar for like the most like full tilt like yeah. makeup performance. So, so just pointing that out, like she wins this Oscar. She could have kept doing this, and mm-hmm. instead she just gives us these like understated, subtle character performance. And she more or less just went back to France. Yeah, I mean, she leaves the drama for off the screen when she's talking about how 9-11 was an inside job. And, <laughs> and then maybe no one walked on the moon ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually don't know if she said that one, but she definitely... She probably... She thought it. She definitely... If this was Minority theory. Report, she would have been locked up for it. <laughs> she thought it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Brandon. So Laura Linney was Let's also nominated for movie. The Savages. Let's, Laura Linney. Let's talk about... Who I would do in drag... 
but from a different movie. Do the bit. Which from movie? Sully. <laughs> Do the bit. Where she's trapped in her house on the phone. On the phone. <laughs> Say it. Do it. What's his name? Chesley? Chesley! Chesley! What are you doing? What are you flying that plane? Chesley! Are you okay? Chesley! Tell me you're okay. When she hangs up the phone at the end of Sully, my god, cinema. I always think about, um, oh Jesus. Uh, She's trying to get out of that. She's not, but that's It's the exterminating angel that Laura Linney and Sully. I can't get off the phone. I can't leave the house. Chesley! Chesley! What are you doing with that plane? I always think about... this is her only Oscar now. When I think about... No, it's... It's The Savages. No, no, you can count on me and Kinsey. Oh. Oh. But you can count on me and The Savages show that she is the premier artist when it comes to playing the long-suffering sister who has to reunite with her uh, estranged brother. Let me just announce on the mic Let my me just... favorite movie of all time, The Savages. <laughs> it's Brandon's I think you have favorite before. Film. I'm going to say it again. My favorite um, th- As a profoundly sad high schooler, this movie resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I bought it on DVD. I bought it a used DVD from Blockbuster. Oh, yes! I love all um, of DVDs. And Laura Linney in this movie when she... With her she, auburn wig. With her auburn wig and when she says when she's having sex with her like married oh my God. Ma- and what does she say? She says it's makes it makes me want to cry. <laughs> what does she say? I don't remember and I just says, watched it. There's your balance. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like He's like, let's fuck on the floor. You like to fuck on the floor. She's oh. like, no, it's so middle-aged. It makes me, it's depressing. It makes me want to cry. <laughs> so Sandra Huller and, and Tony like, Erdman. I'm like, me. Um, no, the scene of that- Of course, like, High School You loves the movie that, like, reminds us we're all going to lose our minds and die. <laughs> <laughs> the scene that resonated with me the most with the Savages was when um, her father- in the nursing home or in the hospital, I forget where he is, but he's he's like screaming for his pillow, and she's like, "Where's your pillow? Where's your mm. pillow?" And she steals the red pillow from the poor old <laughs> woman. This is not yours, and she steals she the old woman's it. pillow. It's so great. I love that scene. I love this movie. I, I think- thought we were gonna then like find like a different pillow and be like, "Oh, that wasn't. She stole this old lady's pillow, but that doesn't happen." Nope, it's that pillow, and he's like, "I don't want this." And she's like, "Oh, fuck." It is crazy how much stuff in nursing homes, like how many personal items, end up swapping between the mm. residents. My uncle and I have moved my grandmother out of a couple different homes at this point. She's like in a good place. Everything's fine now. But one time we were moving her through and like half her closet was not her stuff. <laughs> and I took a couple jackets home. I gotta, I gotta be honest. Nice. I took a couple jackets home. But it's crazy. Like, like the, the pillow thing, like whether it's a relative or it's the resident themselves, like mm-hmm. personal property means nothing in a nursing home, especially right. in a wing where people are mm-hmm. mentally deteriorating. Yeah. I also love the final shot where she, cause he's like, I'm gonna put the dog down. And then she takes the dog, and he has, That's a rough scene. He has his little wheels, mm. and he's running. Yeah. Ben, dog on you wheels. gave this movie three stars. Wow, I did. What are your notes? But a heart. I want to know what I your notes a are. A heart for you. Um, I'm just curious, because I know it's not a perfect movie. I just have such nostalgia no, sure. for it. We don't have to have this drama, but I'm glad you're getting some drama. Nonetheless, it's good to have conflict. I It's healthy. Think Get it out, boys. I have a competition I don't know, it just feels it's two thousand and seven. 
It's definitely of its time, and amorphous. it feels... Amorphous. Oh, it's, interesting. It's, like, not... It almost, like, I feel like there are a lot of things that happened in this movie because they needed to fill time. It is, it is... You know what I mean? Scrubbing through it on this second time, I didn't fully rewatch it because due to time, but... It is long. It's I an like hour. how much it's time a... they have on their hands. It's part of the, the pre-grieving process. They don't know. They're in over their heads. They have to figure out what they're going to do. Dad is losing his mind. I guess Brother I... and sister haven't seen each other in forever. There's a lot of uncomfortable It's just like my moments. whole like narrative thing of like... Laura Linney is not driving the story. And I know that's the point. That's the point. But it's I... outside of her control. But I, it's just like... There isn't enough there there for me to like remain it, completely interested. There's, there's That's a, what the there's sibling a, relationship there's is There's a version for. of this movie that could have probably been a tight 95. I just, I don't, don't know. Don't capitulate, Brandon. What? Hold your ground. I, this is a perfect movie to be five stars and a heart, but even scrubbing through it, I was like, I bet if I rewatched this, I would see, I would see some things, but for me, it's still a perfect movie because I love it so me. much. And I'm sure if I were to pay attention, there would be too, but for me, it's just like, I have such a soul connection <laughs> to this movie I'll just... and Laura Linney this is my per- favorite performance of hers ever and I think ever she, she will do for me enough for me oh I and think I think writing. she does I, I, think... I love how unsentimental the movie is and it's how... in the yes. Academy but... Award nominated script yeah. it's unsentimental and it rejects any ne- easy narrative arc at every mm-hmm. turn like you watch the trailer for this movie you think that Brother, sister, and father are going to have this profound moment of connection together where they realize, like, we're a family. Right. And now you're going to die, and we're going to go our separate ways, but we're a family. And it doesn't really have that moment. No. Like, his, turl- his toes curl in, and he's dead. Oh, yeah. I, I always think about I that. love that detail. Yeah. Whenever I, really I hear my moment. toes I just crack, am not I compelled enough <laughs> well, that's fine. for it to not have that. Fair. Okay. By the way, so Laura Lenny, this is just awards trivia. Um, if you've made it two hours into this podcast, I assume you care about awards trivia. Mm-hmm. Laura Lenny gets the Oscar nomination out of nowhere. Right. But Philip Seymour Hoffman wins the Independent Spirit for Best Actor, and Laura's not nominated. Hmm. And So was Laura's nomination completely out of the blue? Huge surprise. I believe Dave Carger at Entertainment Weekly was the only person who predicted it. Wow. I mean, yeah. it seems... It seems it like seems, a foregone conclusion at this point. It seems weird that she got in for this. Well, it's, it's so strong, but you don't... The Savages is easy to forget. Is such a small movie. Mm-hmm. Sa- I don't think The Savages gets nominated anymore. Like we, yeah. I think that Juno really benefits from Little Miss Sunshine the year before getting into the Best Picture race. It was this time when like the Sundance indie, and and obviously plenty of Sundance indies have gone on to get nominated for Best Picture. And Beast of the Southern Wild is only like it's that's five years away. Like and there are plenty of examples, but sort of like. Um, I don't know. It's a, this is a bad example, but like Nicole Kidman and Lion gets a nomination now mm-hmm. in Best Supporting Actress. So again, this is just a terrible example. But like in a like prestige indie, I guess that's basically okay. So I, I figured out my point. The Savages is not prestige indie. This mm-hmm. is like a second time filmmaker. Who released Laura it? Lin- uh, it was was this Fox or I think it was Fox Searchlight. But I got I, I get distributors wrong on this all the time. My point is, is this is a movie that is made, like, it's a true independent film. It is not something that has, like, an enormous amount of money behind it, a huge amount of money for an awards push. Um, in the way that, like, Focus now, like, Phantom Thread is is indie in the same way that, like, right. you know, a Focus film in 2004 would be indie. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I'm just... We've been talking for so long, I can't complete a spot. But I just don't... The Savages, there's nothing prestige about it. It's the kind of, like, nitty-gritty indie that doesn't get nominated anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Winners? Okay, let's let's do our winners. And then we'll wrap this shit up. Yeah. Why don't we start in... Let's start at the bottom. So let's start with screenplays. All right, we're starting from the bottom. So... Original. Best... Original. Documentary short subject. <laughs> Daniel, shut up. Oh, just, okay, I'll just move up. Fuck. Best uh. short film, <laughs> live action. <laughs> Best anime? <laughs> well, we can all agree Ratatouille, even though I love Persepolis. Oh, no, I'm in, I'm in short film animated. But yeah, ra- Ratatouille, Ratatouille. Uh. Okay, we're starting at Best Original Screenplay. Ben, we'll start with you. You're winner in that category. One of the ten best American screenplays, as I've already yeah. said, is <laughs> Michael Clayton. Yeah, I give it to Michael Clayton, but shout out to Lars and the Real Girl, which is a fantastic Directed film. Directed by Craig Gillespie. Director of Itania. Oh, interesting. But also, I just, uh, let me say, there's been, you know, about two hours ago we were talking about Juno. About it may- six hours ago. Yeah, it maybe doesn't hold up. About three trimesters ago we were talking about Juno. Diablo Cody winning best screenplay is one of my favorite Oscar moments. I'm happy. No, me too. I think it's a great win. I wouldn't award it, but I think it's great. I give it to Tony Gilroy. And shout out to Tamara Jenkins and shout out to Diablo Cody. Oh! Oh my god, I can play... This is something that was talked about at the time. Three of the five pictures nominated are written by women in this category. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, This was a great year for female filmmakers. And I mean, mean, you've got uh, Sarah Pauly with Away From Her, Tamara Jenkins for The Savages. Mm -hmm. Marion Cotillard, who is the auteur of Lillian Rose. Okay, so Brandon, what is your winner? Michael Clayton. Nice. Over the Savages. Yeah, Michael Clayton's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Savages. All right, all right, all right. Okay, adapted. Yes, adapted. There will be blood. It's there will be blood. There will be blood. Moment of silence for the diving ball and the butterfly, which was the when we came up with this theme. My number one goal was. Daniel rewatched the Diving Bell and the Butterfly Challenge. And I didn't have time to do it. I didn't do it either, but I still want to. But I just will quickly say the one thing I'll talk about is that Janusz Kaminski, who shot the Diving Bell and the Butterfly, all, not all, but Janusz did it mostly from the perspective of the one eye this guy has opened to him after an automobile or like a stroke or something. Mm The whole movie is beautiful. There's a lot of wonderful nature imagery and, and the stuff where we're actually like in Masters is great too. But my problem with Yanush is that he tends to get a little impressionistic with the cinematography. He overblows the lighting. Yeah. It's a little silly. But the lights are coming out from the table. All, all four windows, <laughs> no matter the where the sun can. is. Yeah. <laughs> but in The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, the camera manages to both be extremely experimental and that the movie is told from the perspective of like his one working eye mm-hmm. while also doing what cinema is supposed to do and that he is able to dispel or not dispel he's able to disperse information visually like mm-hmm. when the nurse when the two nurses first arrive it is all we know who they are we know what their function is and the camera is focusing on these little details the name tag their mm-hmm. expressions all this stuff and it is to tell it all without ever changing your shot like without, without your without your vantage right. point, without, it, I mean that's quite something. Mm-hmm. And the soft lighting works really well. Uh, that said, I still vote for There Will Be Blood because Yanush is not nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Guys, so much. This has been the Yanush Kaminsky corner <laughs> of movies I am out. I was just gonna ask, where's Schnabel Ben? And he is coming out <laughs> with a movie in 2018 called At Eternity's Gate. It is a Vincent Van Gogh biopic starring Willem Dafoe and Oscar Isaac. Wow. Willem Dafoe is gonna win an Oscar. 
Wow. I mean, Ro- Robert Altman, I believe, has already made the definitive Van Gogh uh, biopic, even though I have never seen it. Benson what is and it? Tail. It's, uh, I didn't know that's what that was about. Yeah, that's what it's about. That's fantastic. Willem Dafoe's going to win an Oscar this year. Supporting actor. All right, supporting actor. Let's get this over with. Um, I'm going to say it. I don't want to say it. Don't say it. Casey Affleck. I would have voted for Casey Affleck. You monster. I know. I I go with the winner. I go with Javier Bardem. I was going to mention Into the Wild on this on this show. Excellent film, in my opinion. I think Into the Wild is a masterpiece. Catherine Keener should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Earth Mama. Her peak Keener Earth Mama. I've never seen Into the Wild. She looks tired the movie. whole time. It's, it's I can't, so good. I did not realize she was in it, so now I shall see how it. And how Holbrook got you. Oh, yeah. He will rip out your innards <laughs> and leave them to you to die. <laughs> when he tries to adopt Chris. <gasps> and Chris is like, I'm going to a all right, I'll watch it. Okay, my best supporting actor oh. winner is also Javier Bardem. Nice. Okay, best supporting. And we actress. all thought how Holbrook was going to die. I and know. flash forward ten years later, he's still kicking. He's going. He was in Lincoln, my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay, best supporting actress. Very happy that Ruby D got in. That was so exciting. Very, very exciting. Finally, um, finally, she got some Academy nomination. I'm recognition. I think. Kate Blanchett gives the Best Supporting Actress Award of the Year. However, she had already won that award, but three years before, so I would give it to Tilda. Well, Ben, you know what I say to that? There's your balance. There's my balance. I give it to Tilda easily. So without breaking a sweat. I'm I give it to Tilda as well, but I don't. The only reason I'm I'm my second is Sersha, but the only reason I don't give it to her is because she has a whole career, life ahead of a, a life ahead That's of her. That's how we felt at the time. That's She's going to win. Mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton, this is her performance. Only nomination. Do we have Crazy. any different choices for the rest of the categories that we're going to discuss? Uh, are we all... Maybe. You Let's mean, are keep we on going. board with the winners of every other category? Yes. Okay, another thing that makes 2007 so good is they made all the right choices. They made Okay, the right best choices. actor. Let's just all say it. Daniel It's Dave. DDL. The DDL. Best George act- Clooney. <laughs> So good. It's Clooney's best Again, performance. Again, any other year. Any other year would be his. Yeah. Did did George Clooney also get nominated for Up in the Air? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we all that. thought he might win for that. And who? And that was him? what? Crazy Heart? That was Bridges at the end uh, of the day. Yes. And Crazy Heart came Bridges. out of nowhere. Um, best Actress, we all agree. Marion. It's Marion Cotillard. But I, I, am, I think I'm closer to going to Christy here than the two of you are. For the same logic of Saoirse, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I could have given this to Marion Cotillard for mm-hmm. any of the three other performances. I actually never got... I think, yeah, nine is another... Uh, you mentioned nine. Yeah, I, I might give it to her for now. Oh, Ben, I see your point. Best picture and director, we all have the same answer. Is it There Will Be Blood? It's I would like to say... And there Will Be Blood. Correct. That, um... Vicky is a nationalist. Oh my god! Wait, guys. Vicky Creeps is a nationalist? No, my mother. Oh. oh. I was going to tell a Vicky story. <laughs> Sorry. I remember yes, Vicky do. was so mad that not a single American actor won. She was so angry. She still gets angry about it. They have their own awards shows, she says. <laughs> she also gets mad when cable shows win at the Emmys. Vicky, I know you're listening and I love you. They have the Cable Ace Awards, but say. You need to you need to DM me the name of the French Oscars in order for your argument to carry any weight. Because if you can't name it, she wouldn't be able to. Okay, then guys, the Oscar is what Marion deserves. Guys, I I typed out my winners of each category before we started. All of the categories? No, no, for the ones we were talking about, and um, 
I don't remember doing this because it was two and a half hours ago. But for director, I put Joel and Ethan Cullen. Wow. Good for you. No. Great. Good for you. So I'm going to stick to that great. because the my movie, myself two hours ago thought that. They deserve the movie They is, don't not deserve it. The movie it. is told I, in their I direction. Think, I think my reasoning was PTA will win eventually. Maybe. Probably not. But We maybe. don't know. Let me but, say But Joel so and Ethan like, Cullen, I think this was like their peak for me. So I, I'm going to give it. And it's like a nice split. Like picture for the mm-hmm. Obi Blood and it, it totally. director. For... You get to award P.T. Anderson and the Coen brothers. Yeah. yeah. So I'll do that. I'm going to say director Joel and Ethan yeah. Cullen. Who just, were the actual winners? I just want to pause it real quick. I could talk about a Roger Deacon shot right now, but for the first time on this podcast, I'm showing restraint and wow. I'll keep the opinion to myself because we're running long. All right, let's wrap this shit I think shit we're done. Up. Wait, just one thing. This has been... <laughs> Faggots, IML, Anchor Steam beer is delicious. This is the most delicious bread I've ever eaten. <laughs> this is the most bl- <laughs> this is the most delicious beer I've ever drinking. Ratatouille and Michael Clayton. I am have- Sheba, god of death. <laughs> Michael Clayton and Ratatouille both have bread moments. Mm. They talk about the crunchiness of when a bread. You- Squeeze. You the squeeze it's the center of a faggot. If you squeeze the center of a faggot, it will squeal and glee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, guys, and Once is Great and Falling Slowly is like the best best original song winner of our lives. And well, it's it. hard out here for a pimp was just the year before. That's You so. know what? That's true. So it was a one-two punch. It was. Well, and then the next year was Jai Ho. Jai Ho. <laughs> That's a good note to end on. I, by the way, I, 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 I plan to Jai Ho arms. I, I plan to come to this podcast and pretend like we were going to talk about 2008 movies. Now I was going to talk about Frost Nixon. Oh, Best Picture nominee. I like Frost, Frost Nixon. Nixon. Best Picture nominee. Okay, this has been two and a half oh. hours of movies. IMO. We are now leaving you. Um, my name is Brandon Kirby. What's your at? You can at me, bitch, at BK Kirby. I'll be crying about Ratatouille on Twitter. My name is Ben MB, and you can find me on Twitter at Realton Haynes. Director of I'm Not There. 2007 movie. <laughs> Covered on an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Daniel Crook. You can find me on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. And I'm going to zip it. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher. Next week, we are recapping the Oscars. No, not next. It's already happened. We have one more episode before that. This? No. The, oh, oh no, wait a minute. We, sorry. No, we've already. I'm in the time machine. Yeah. I don't know where y'all are at. I, I thought you were talking about. We already about, gave our predictions. Yeah, that's what I thought you were bringing up. Sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. Recapping the Oscars. We're talking about wait. Saoirse Ronan's win. We're talking about Phantom Thread's best picture win. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And there's <laughs> a movie that we're talking about that week. And we're discussing our main new, cover story. Our main cover story is Drumroll, please. The. Jennifer Lawrence vehicle Red Sparrow, the Phantom Thread hating <laughs> actress vehicle Red Sparrow. I have mm-hmm. to say, I've listened to the WTF at this point. I cannot forgive a Trump voter for their indiscretion. I don't care what they feel apart from that. I'll mm-hmm. never get over that. I've listened to the whole Jennifer Lawrence WTF. I forgive her. 
She is a wonderful woman. I'm you honestly like so much. three minutes is so dismissive that I like, can't take it seriously as a snub. You she, know what I mean? Honestly, she's I, busy. Well, she didn't like like she has no idea what the movie is. I'm not going to say anything because I think that maybe we should stop nitpicking Jennifer Lawrence so much. Even though I'm the one who first mentioned in the group chat today, her Phantom Thread stance. Mm-hmm. I love J Law, and I can't I wait to you. talk about her next week in I, Red Sparrow. I just realized that we lied about our age. This is actually our 22nd episode <gasps> of Movies IMO. That's your fault, Daniel. And I retweeted your tweet. No, no, no. I mean, no one knows. This is our 21st time sitting down, but this oh, is the 22nd Oh, but it'll be the 22nd episode. episode that's released. The 22nd year. Because of okay. our special. We gotta go. We have to finish this. I wish I was dead. Oh, my God. You just know like stealing. <laughs> the winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.